Welcome back to Second and Short. It is Friday, August 25th, 2023, week zero of college football, though we're not talking about it on this episode. We've got the NFL right around the corner. The MLB is heating up. The playoff race is ridiculous right now, and we'll certainly be talking about it. Luke, you're back with me. How's it, how's it going? I, I know Chelsea had a tough week last week, but how, how's it looking overall? <laughs> Dude, it's 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 great. Um, yeah, I, I'm just very very happy with the sports world right now. But then again, like when are you not happy with the sports world? I mean, as long as we have something to watch that sports degenerates like us will be happy. <laughs> it doesn't take much. Yeah, I think that's fair. Um, I think you also have some reasons to not be happy, considering the Yankees <sighs> and Chelsea. But Nonetheless, yeah. we'll talk about it throughout this episode, so so don't think he's just going to get away with it. But, <laughs> um, of course, the MLB recap, some weekend preview, and then we have our NFC South preview. It's time for me to get real biased in this bitch. <laughs> um, hey, are you watching the game tonight? Our teams play. Preseason. Yeah, uh, of course I'm going to watch that fucking game. Um, and yeah. then... Premier League weekend preview, of course, and we're going to have a little bit of, uh, of discourse just about the Prem so far this season, about our teams so far this season, and then, of course, some transfer news, and we'll round it out with stake your claim. Luke, you ready to hear the winners and losers? Let's fucking do it. All right, we start off here. This one's kind of an interesting winner to start off, but it's just people that pick up bad players and make them good. Because Luke Weaver, who we talked about getting dropped last week, was picked up by the Mariners. They put him in a relief role, and in his debut against the White Sox, he pitched two innings, no hits, no walks, no runs, five strikeouts, 26 pitches. Wow, that's um, that's a good relief outing there. <laughs> yeah, so they just unlocked the way to make Luke Weaver an efficient pitcher is just don't start him. <laughs> yeah. I feel like that was pretty obvious. Like, the Reds probably should have thought of doing that before just DFAing him. Yeah. Um, no, I, I like that because, like, I guess when you have kind of a pitcher that um, – I mean, do you think it's fair to say that Luke Weaver's supposed to be good? No. Oh, well, then again, never mind. <laughs> like, he's, I was gonna he's say, an like, okay I feel pitcher, like... but I, I wouldn't say he's supposed to be good. Okay, I got it. Okay, so like I, I'll put in um, a comparison like with Luis Severino with the Yankees. He is somebody that obviously like I would prefer it if he was traded by the trade deadline, but since he isn't, why not put him in relief and have a different starting pitcher? You know, because I mean, yeah. he, was, he was supposed to be crazy, you know, back in the day, and he used to be a lot better when he was younger before the injuries and all that. So I don't know, like is you think Luis Severino can be compared to Luke Weaver in that case or no? Uh, yeah, I, I do see those cases pretty comparable. It's just two guys that aren't really having their way on the mound right now, but we've seen good things out of them. So in, in that case, yes, they could certainly be compared there. But when it comes down to like their actual situations where it's like Luke Weaver's a guy that has never really been like a successful pitcher, never like an overhyped prospect, anything like that, whereas Severino hyped up. You know, we've seen these great flashes and then it just never pans out or he gets hurt and everything like that. So there are a little bit different cases, but I definitely see the connections. I like it. Players that go to different teams and are made better. Yeah, and I actually have another one. Okay. Paul DeYoung. So he got traded to the Blue Jays at the deadline. 
and he was atrocious for them. Um, specifically, 44 plate appearances with the Blue Jays. He had three hits. Um, they DFA him. The Giants pick him up, and he got three hits in his debut. Wow. Yeah, only okay. took five plate appearances. <laughs> <laughs> Good for him. <laughs> so, looks like the Paul DeYoung experiment is off to a hot start in the Bay. But let's get to somebody who is not hot in the Bay. My loser, for the first time in the history of this segment, Camilo Doval. Oh, no. He has blown four straight saves in four straight outings, back-to-back days against the Phillies in these last two games. Oh, my goodness. Yeah, not looking great right now. It just seems like he's a little off. Like, still throwing hard, still throws nasty stuff. It just seems like he's putting a lot of stuff right over the plate. God, and then you look at the NLS standings, and Arizona is right back with San Francisco. Oh, yeah. We're going to talk about them. Don't you worry. Perfect. But my next winner is Ronald Acuna for being the most consistent player in the league, home, away, on the moon, underground. It doesn't matter where he's playing. He's going to play phenomenal. He has the same exact splits at home and on the road this season. And I'm not, like, exaggerating. It is literally 333 average on both home and road. 14 home runs, both home and road. He's 29 for 34 on stolen bases at home and on the road and has 37 RBIs at home and on the road. What a what a weird stat. But I, I'm going to try to knock down Acuna. I, I'm not pronouncing the tilde anymore. Come on. Acuna, Acuna Jr. Don't do this shit. <laughs> Bro, he's NL MVP. I got to take my jabs when I can. Fair is enough. that really that impressive for a player of his caliber? Of yes. course, like it's impressive that all of his stats are the same, but like take a player like um I don't know, like Aaron Judge. It, are his splits like really that different? I don't think it's that. I think it's the fact that they're this good. Yeah, well that's yeah, of course. Like <laughs> I'll, I'll pull up Aaron Judge's splits right now, but um like for Judge, especially People are going to say, like, the ballpark affects it. Then again, how often is he really hitting it to right field? Um, yeah, that is true. But nonetheless, like, here, let me try to pull up his splits real quick. Why are they not showing up? What the fuck? Man, baseball reference is so hard to navigate nowadays. I've delayed you. <laughs> uh, but I'm not going to keep looking. Um I think it's just more of a matter of like he's doing it on at home and on the road and they're this good it is the crazy part of this. Okay. But gotcha. let's talk about the losers because this one is just unfortunate. Um, the Angels. Yesterday started oh. off just fine. Doubleheader versus the Reds. Shohei on the mound for game one. He hits a home run in the first to take the lead league in homers at 44 and give himself some run support. And then he's removed from the game in the second inning. And he ended up dh in game two, but didn't play the rest of game one. And this series was also the return of Mike Trout, who played on Tuesday. And then he didn't play in either of the doubleheader games due to a wrist injury. Now we find out Shohei tore his UCL and is going to need another Tommy Johns. 
He will continue to hit this season, though. And Mike Trout will head back to the IL, though I don't think it's too serious. It looks like he's just going to miss a couple of games. But good God, the Angels just cannot get a win. No. I mean, not only do you have, like, two of the best players of, like, the history of our sport, they they can't stay healthy at the same time. Yeah. (laughs) And it it looks like one of them is probably going to leave inevitably. Oh, yeah. It's not a a probably. (laughs) But Um, I I do want to talk about Shohei's injury because – this is now his second Tommy John's in, what, five seasons, I believe, in the MLB. Oh, oh so it is Tommy John. Yeah, he's going to need another Tommy John's. He's not going to do it until the end of the season, I believe. He's going to keep hitting. But, like, does this affect his free agency? Because he's going to be out regardless with this Tommy John's injury. so Or Tommy John's surgery. So he's probably going to get it. Right as we get into October, he might even decide to get it right before the season ends. I'm not, you know, I'm not too sure, but um, likely October. It's probably going to take six, seven months, maybe more. Yeah. Like, Um, that's not, that's not good because what (laughs) he's going to, so let's say he gets it in October and it's a it's a seven month trajectory. It's gonna be what October, November, December, and then the season will start in April, really. So that'll May. be. Sorry. Isn't it May when he yeah, would come back? Yeah, he'd he come back in May, so he'd miss a month in April. But is he gonna want to come back and pitch? That's a good question. Like, you know, you kind of wonder, um, especially like a second timer uh, with Tommy John, you you not only wonder about their durability and how other teams are going to see that, but I'm sure in, you know, his own mind, he's also wondering how he can add longevity or keep longevity to his career. So, you know, it might be a good idea for him to start thinking about whether or not he wants to keep pitching. Yeah. Uh, and and I think that definitely affects him in free agency. But then again, I still think he's a five hundred million dollar hitter. Yeah. So like he is a five hundred million dollar pitcher. Exactly. <laughs> so uh, yeah. So hopefully everything works out. Like you know, of course he's getting the surgery, so hopefully he comes back quickly and this doesn't affect his free agency. Uh, I I don't, can't imagine it will because they know that they're gonna get the hitter no matter what. So that's yeah, that's I, promising. Do you think it offers though questions about how long people might want to sign him? I think it does. Um because like the way I've seen it is well actually it it could help how long they want to sign him, but it will affect the money he gets because if he stops pitching now and just DHs maybe plays some outfield, we're going to see him uh, you know, the same amount of games, but he's going to be putting way less strain on his body, which makes Shohei the hitter have a much longer career, most likely. Yeah, um, <clears throat> I guess like it's kind of like it definitely sounds like the smarter option to kind of just stop pitching or at least to stop pitching soon um, for him. But of course, like, you know, the selfish part of me, like the fan part of me wants him to keep pitching and hitting. Yeah. So I don't know. It puts me in a weird spot, but that's a that's a good conversation to have, and especially like 
you know, even even now looking at it, the Angels are nowhere near as good as they were probably like a month ago. You know, they're 12 games back. There's probably no way they can make the playoffs at this point. So, like, I don't know. Do you think maybe he decides to get the surgery earlier before the season even ends? I don't know uh, because the reports are saying he's going to keep hitting this season. I think he wants to keep hitting. Um, but, you know, from the mindset of him, at least, going into this free agency – he should probably more be thinking of like, I need to get back on the field as quick as possible. Yeah. So, like, cause like, he's not just going to not get the surgery, even if he decides to stop pitching. Cause he, he, you tore your UCL, like you need to get it repaired. Yeah. A hundred percent. Um, I have another loser. Really quick one. <laughs> okay. Yeah. I'm looking at it now. Breaking uh, news. The Houston Astros right now are losing zero to eleven to Boston in the bottom of the third inning. Boston oh, already yes has twelve are. hits. Holy shit! And another loser, and this is kind of a sad one, but I'm seeing it now. Yeah. Uh, Strasburg just retired. I was about to bring that up. It popped up on my phone. Um, yeah. He's a bitch. Um, <laughs> he had he had an excuse for fucking everything. It was like oh. It's going to be a really hot start in Atlanta. I think my ankle hurts. Like, And I'm not kidding. I'm pretty sure that happened. <laughs> wow. um, like Things like that are ridiculous, but it does suck because the guy, he's not a legend. He's not like a Hall of Fame pitcher, but he's definitely a guy that was one of the best for a good stretch of time, a World Series MVP, I believe. So, um, in 2019, yeah, yeah. So, a, a a good career, but it's certainly tainted by the injuries and storylines. Yeah, it could have been a lot better. For yeah, him. it definitely could have. But I'm I'm glad that he's he's come to terms with retiring and that he was good enough to set himself up to be able to retire at this point. Yeah, for sure. So, awesome. well, I'm sure we'll see him on like MLB Network. He seems like a a TV guy. Perfect. He loves attention. Um, <laughs> all right. Let's get into a winner, though. The Mets finally on the winner's side because they announced that they will retire the number 16 for Doc Gooden and number 18 for Daryl Strawberry, and that'll be coming next year. Finally a good decision. Finally a win for the Mets. Yeah, I'm surprised that you put win and Mets in the same sentence there. That's that. I feel like that's a big step for you. Uh, yeah, don't worry. They, <laughs> they've got time today. Um, so <laughs> they sure do. <laughs> um, but yeah, Doc Gooden, Daryl Strawberry, uh, undoubtedly legends of the game, Mets legends. So, um, glad that they're going to be honored, but my next loser, welcome back. The Mets to the losing side. <laughs> <laughs> I knew it. It was too good to be true. Yeah, dude, I had to set him up like that. Um, yeah, this was just hilarious. DJ Stewart was playing right field um, in the game against the Braves, and he is running to try and stop a ball that you like play a ball off the ground, and he realized it was kind of far, so he starts to lay out, and like you could tell he didn't quite time it upright, and the ball just like. His glove is way ahead of the ball. The ball goes between his arms. He face plants into the ground and just slides across the grass on his face while the ball rolls past to the wall. <laughs> Damn. <laughs> Have you watched the video? 
I have not seen You have that. to watch. Just look up DJ Stewart Fall. I'm sure you'll find it. Um, I watched it. I, I put it up like to watch the video so I could write this and then just left it on my screen for like 10 minutes just replaying. It's hilarious. <laughs> but um, Were you wanting me to watch it right now? or Yeah, go ahead and watch it right now. I just... Look, the Mets are losers. DJ Stewart, you're a loser just because you're a Met. Um, but yeah, it's just the funniest visual because like you see where he like you see it in his face and like the slow mo replay of like where he's like, oh shit, and he just face plants and just slides across the grass. It, Dude, it I can't is. Find it. That'll have to be a post recording. All right, recording that's fine. Watch. But yeah. it, it is genuinely hilarious. Uh, but. Uh, I'll keep it in the NL East. My next winner is Bryce Harper. The guy is back. He's back to just hitting the ball very, very hard. Um, the other night against the Giants, he had four batted balls over 110 miles per hour in that game. Damn. It's back. And that final one, I believe, was either a game-tying or a go-ahead three-run home run in like the eighth or ninth inning. Yeah, you could also, you know, call the Phillies winners in general for them being like the best team 13 games behind. <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah. Like they're they're so good. <laughs> they're yeah. playing so like they're not playing that great right now, four and six in their last ten. But overall, great team. Maybe Kyle yeah. Schwarber shouldn't be your leadoff hitter. That's a whole nother story. But yeah. sixty nine and fifty eight in the National League East is great. It's just that the Braves are 82 and 44 and have already clinched a winning season. Yep. I believe it's our 27th winning season in 33 years. That's pretty impressive. Yeah, pretty good. Uh, but my next loser, I, I'm, I'm just going to do it. It's Brian Cashman. It, not the Yankees in particular because we'll get to that. But... Brian Cashman, because he's doing exactly what Aaron Boone was doing, uh, which we talked about in prior episodes, which he was just speaking loser talk, man. These guys have given up. It's so obvious. He said, uh, I got a couple of quotes. It's been a disaster this season. It's definitely a shock. Certainly, I don't think anybody on our side of the fence from our player group, from our coaches, our manager, or even outside the organization would have predicted this. It's a depleted roster right now in some areas. And then uh, another quote, the fight is there, the care is there, the intent is there. Uh, it's hard to believe. And then the final quote, I think Booney's doing everything he possibly, or everything he can possibly do, just like all of us. How does that make you feel, Luke? Um, You know, it, it's good that... I feel like Brian Cashman is, you know, he's he's saying what it what it is. He's literally, I mean, you know, he, he's spelling it out, being blunt. But at the same time, you know, hearing it come from Brian Cashman especially, it just pisses me off. Like, it's not like you didn't have the opportunities, so, you know, don't give us that bullshit of like, you know, oh, well, we tried. Why is Donaldson still on the team? He never got traded, did he? No, no, he is. Yeah. I think Why he's either still there. He's on the I, I IL, am sure, yeah, yeah, I am sure that Donaldson and Severino alone take up a lot of cap. 
in our team. Not only that, but they're also just bad and have no signs of being good. <laughs> yeah. Um, I mean, the only good thing that we did was offloading Aaron Hicks. I mean, he's like, I mean, he was like a dud on the team, but we got rid of him, which was good. But like, the Yankees should have been buyers this season, especially this season. And we just kind of sat there and played dead, brought in like two relief pitchers or something like that. Nothing that'll help the team um, tremendously. Um, yeah. So I guess all in all, I, I respect Brian Cashman for, you know, being real with us, but I don't respect Brian Cashman in literally any other regard. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, so me and Colin, actually, we talked about it on the last episode. Um We've started doing a, a new segment on Wednesdays of MLB questions from Reddit, and somebody was talking just about the Yankees front office and, and and Aaron Boone as well. And do you think Aaron Boone will be the manager at the end of this season? Yes. Okay. Do you think Brian Cashman will be the GM in three years? No, not okay. three years. All right. That's all I wanted to talk about. We'll get into the Yankees, though, later. But my next winner, Leanne Palacios, the mother of Richie and Josh Palacios, both major leaguers, Richie of the St. Louis Cardinals, Josh of the Pittsburgh Pirates. She is the best fan mom this season that I've seen in the MLB. Uh, I can't say in all sports because uh, the uh, the Kelseys, their mom's the best. But... The Cardinals and Pirates were playing this week, and in between innings, she would change jerseys and hats. So when Richie and the Cardinals were batting, she wears a Cardinals jersey and a Pirates hat. And then when the Pirates are hitting and Josh is hitting, she wears a Pirates jersey and a Cardinals hat. (laughs) Dude, someone needs to give her like a split outfit, a split cap and a split jersey. Yeah, that would be great if she got like yeah. the full split outfit. That'd be so sick. <laughs> yeah, I would. I would love to see that. So, didn't uh, Mama Kelsey rocks a split jersey? Yeah. Does she not? Yeah, she does when they play. Yeah. Uh, but my next loser, oddly enough, the Rangers. They find themselves on the loser's side. They've lost six straight games, and their lead over the Astros cut down to one game, and they only find themselves a game and a half ahead of the Mariners. Wow, And there is now a real possibility that they could just miss the playoffs. <laughs> if they, would, yeah, go ahead. go ahead. I was, I was just going to say, that's what, that's what we all would need. Yeah. <laughs> that, that's the only thing that would save this season as a Yankees fan for me. Yeah. Like it's, it's a very real thing that could happen right now because if the Astros overtake them for first, and let's say the Mariners pass them as well, the Blue Jays right now are only two games behind the Rangers. So if the Blue Jays just play pretty good, which is exactly what they're doing right now, they could pass the Rangers and take the third spot in the wild card as well. Okay, I thought you said Astros. My bad. I do want the Rangers to make the playoffs. That was that was my fault. Um no, that that's interesting though, because this one kind of snuck up on me too. They're on a six-game losing streak. Yeah, but the Yankees are bad. Ah, da, da, da. Yeah. Whatever. Okay. Well, the Yankees are bad. They are worse. Well, they're horrible, actually. But yeah. <laughs> uh, oh, but just like standings-wise in the American League, it, it's it's really, you know, at least 
in the wild card right now, the Rays have got it. They've got the top wild card spot, essentially. The Astros will probably win the AL West. And then the Mariners look great. They also could win the AL West, for all we know. And then the Blue Jays sitting right on the outside, but certainly have a chance to jump over the Rangers if they continue to play poorly. Is there any reason why you didn't mention the Twins? <laughs> um, mainly because I don't give a shit about what's happening in the <laughs> AL Central. Um, I just like, had to get your reaction. <laughs> at this point, they're probably going to win that division. They have a four-and-a-half game lead. Uh, the Tigers and Guardians have kind of struggled after kind of surging towards them. Twins have kind of got it back on track, though they've lost two in a row, but their playoff percentage is looking like a 92.4, according to ESPN. So I'm going to I'm gonna stick confident with the Twins, but the Rangers have a lower playoff percentage than the Astros right now. Oh, wow. Yeah. Um, it, it's, it's wild, but let's talk about on the National League side, my next winner, the Diamondbacks. They are coming back, and... They find themselves only a half game out of the wild card. They're tied with the Giants, and they've won eight of their last ten. Good for them. Four-game winning streak, too. Yeah. Though the Dodgers' fantastic August has soared over both of these two teams, (laughs) the Diamondbacks and Giants are 11 and a half games back in the National League West. But, like I said, both a half game out of the wild card. The Reds and Cubs are... I think tied. Yeah, they're, they're just about tied. They're very similar records right now. Um and they hold the the second and third wild card spot at the moment, which first of all is crazy because the top 4 in the American League wild card race all have 70 wins and the Phillies have 69. They're in the top spot. They're two and a half games ahead of the Cubs and Reds who both sit uh, 66 and 67 respectively. So um, looks like the American League, once again, stronger win-loss. But, you know, we'll see how that goes. But in general, wild card in the National League is pretty interesting as well. Like I said, Giants, Diamondbacks, half game out. Marlins are only two games out, which is certainly I was obtainable. Say, what do you think about the Marlins being only two uh, two games out? You think they can make a run for it? or I don't know. They haven't looked great. Um you know, they've obviously slowed down a little bit, but yeah, like their their last few, what they've uh they went loss, win, loss, 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 win, loss, loss. That's kind of tough. Um yeah. but if if they can start to turn it around again, you know, they, they could certainly use it, but they they're very streaky. They'll you know, they lost five games in a row a couple weeks ago. And then they win two, lose one, win three, lose two, win one, lose three, win one, and then another loss last night. Like, if they can just have a couple of consistent, like, pretty strong series wins, not even sweeps, maybe they could, like, actually, they definitely have a chance to move up because there's really no telling what the Giants, Diamondbacks, Reds, or Cubs do from here on out. Yeah, that that's a good point. Is I feel like it's um it's hard to predict some of those wild card teams because you know all season long they've been you know pretty inconsistent but consistent enough to be in a wild card spot. So it is always kind of hard to look at the wild card and you know kind of predict what is going to happen even in August. Yeah, uh, but let's move on. My next loser, Pete Alonso, that fucking loser. Yes, uh, Bryce Elder finally got his revenge. 
<clears throat> hit him with a, a, a light 89 square in the back. It was all fair. Like, uh, and my favorite part of this is that the Braves fans were roaring after that. Like, yeah. it was amazing, the reaction yeah. of the Braves fans after he got hit. And I'm sure this – actually, I am certain this is not the end of Pete Alonso being hated in Atlanta, but it's nice to see Bryce get his revenge on that piece of shit. Yeah, no, I like it. I had that in my notes too. I'm very glad that we talked about that because that, that crowd roar after he gets hit, man <laughs> – it it's just brings a smile to my face. Yeah, man. That's Mets. that's Braves country in full effect. Yep. Uh but my next winner is Graham Ashcraft, a guy who hasn't been talked very positively of uh since like the first month of the season, but the guy has bounced back completely after a very bad, rather long stretch. So uh in his last ten starts he's been pretty good. We'll we'll but I want to talk about the previous 10 before that. He had a 10 ERA across 10 starts. And then now in these last 10 starts, a 2.35 ERA. And since ERA became an official stat in 1913, no other MLB pitcher has had a 10-plus ERA over a 10-start span in a season and then had a sub-250 ERA over any other 10-start span, let alone back-to-back. Grayson, there, there is only one answer to this question of why this is happening. All right. Sticky stuff. It is sticky Ooh. stuff. Is it? Because we actually, I think we just had a guy get popped for it. Yeah, uh, we did. Um, no, I'm, I'm completely joking. I don't want to take anything away from Ashcraft, you know, on the on the comeback. But that, that that's a pretty big drop. That's a, it that's is. a pretty uh, significant change in play. <laughs> yeah, it, it definitely is. But then again, like he started off the season really hot. So maybe yeah. he's just, maybe he needed to figure some things out. Um, By chance, do you, what? Well, now Clay Holmes is pitching for the Yankees right now. Top of the night, two outs, and the bases are loaded. We're losing five to four. Oof. Sorry, what were you saying? Looks like the <laughs> Yankees lose. Um, <laughs> um, do you what? What was the guy's name that got popped? Um, was it oh, Suarez man. maybe? Pitcher recently. I'm trying to remember his name. I. Might have been the a Padres pitcher. Um, yeah, I'm not seeing. Uh, yeah, anything. Robert Suarez. Okay. Uh, it looks like he was ejected for having sticky stuff on his left wrist and arm before he even threw a pitch in the eighth inning against the Marlins on Wednesday. I don't even know why pitchers still use like obviously to get an advantage, right? But I feel like um. In, like, the era where, like, Trevor Bauer was, like, trying to expose, like, all the pitchers using yeah. sticky stuff, like, especially Garrett Cole, like, why would you even try it in today's baseball? Like, I, I don't know it, why. To me, like, you're always going to get busted. Oh, and the Nationals just scored, so that's great. But anyway, <laughs> to, to me, you're always going to get busted. Yeah, it definitely seems that way. I, I, I don't really know. Like, where where else could you hide it where you couldn't get busted? I don't, I don't get it. I don't know. Like I know, um, I think people. I think it was like Bryce Elder, maybe, that was getting, um, getting like rumored to be doing it because he'd always touch his hair. But 
when it comes to that, that's just getting the what you're doing. It is technically cheating per se because you're putting rosin on your hand and then you run it through your sweaty hair you get the sweat and the rosin on your hand it gets sticky pretty sticky too yeah so but i think everybody does that everybody's going to try and wipe the sweat off themselves when there's rosin on their hands so yeah. and, and, and it doesn't get sticky enough to where it's like where like they'll pop you for it yeah exactly um, and you know, the other side of that is it could just be like a player's tick. Some yeah. Players just have ticks where like, you know, they're in the habit of like rubbing their hair, like, you know, rubbing their arm, you know, pitchers are very routine people. I feel like, yeah, but, I mean, it makes sense. Yeah. Like there's plenty of pitchers that like after every pitch or like every couple of pitches, they take their hat off and they like run their arm over their head just to get some sweat off. Cause you don't want it running in your eyes. Exactly. But it burns. That's enough sticky stuff talk. Uh, my final loser is the Yankees, and there's nothing in particular, but let's just discuss because they have certainly been losers. Yeah. Um, do want to mention, though, how good Aaron Judge has been. He's actually hit um, his fourth home run in two games today, which is just mind-blowing. I yeah. think he's four home runs in seven RBI now, um, but we're losing, and it looks yeah. like we're going to lose again. I believe that was his first three home run game of his career. Yeah. I think it was too. Um, I I don't know. I, I can't, Grayson, remember a time being a Yankees fan where the even like the team mentality was this bad. Like the clip went around, I think like a month ago, and it just sort of panned around the faces of the Yankees, and they yeah. just looked dead. And I know we talked about that on the podcast too. Um, even in like the time period between the World Series and 09 – to like 2015, 14-ish, whenever we started, you know, being good again, that like 2010, 11, 12, 13 period, the Yankees were, you know, not that great of a team either. But there was always like a hope and an energy in Yankee Stadium within the players too. This team absolutely, you know, isn't showing it at all. And I wish Aaron Judge would step up as a vocal leader more I think he's too calm of a player for this Yankees team right now. Obviously, he's doing it um, on the bat side. He's been absolutely amazing. But, like, there is just no energy, and it feels like no one on the team wants to step up to try to, like, you know, lead the team through this bad spurt, I guess is what's going on. Even Aaron Judge. So, I I don't know. I'm critical of everybody right now. No one's safe. I think it's been hard for him just because he was, you know, been dealing with this injury, and, you know, it's probably looming. And for a guy like that to, especially a guy who throughout his whole career without, uh, you know, with the exception of last year, it was always like, can this guy stay healthy? And with having that narrative around him, essentially every year he's played in the MLB, it's probably hard for him to like, when an injury occurs like this, to be a leader, to, to have the confidence to not only just operate yourself at a high level on the field but to boost up the, the people around you and there, there's just there needs to be other leaders than one guy on the team it takes way more than one guy to boost the morale of your team first of all it takes your manager which i think aaron boone does a poor job of personally and it just seems like there's not another guy on this team that's willing to be a leader dj lemayhew absolutely sucks dick <laughs> he is so fucking bad. He's not going to lead. 
That's just not yeah. what's going to happen. Yeah, Same no. goes for Stanton, who who is sucking this year. He's just not a leader. There's just not leaders on this team, with the exception of maybe Anthony Rizzo, who hasn't stayed healthy for like 10 games in a row all season. Yep. It, it just, yeah, I mean, and it's got to be a bat because the pitching staff almost never going to be the, the leaders on a team. Yeah. Um, and I, I honestly like don't know what the answer is. I don't even know of players from this Yankees team that even have like trade value anymore at this point. And maybe that's, you know, me being dramatic, but like I, as a Yankees fan, can't even see moves that we could make. Not that we, you know, need yeah. to make. I could give you plenty of those, but I don't even see moves that this team could make. True. I don't know. Uh, I feel like free agency, true. depending on how you guys go after it, there could be some good moves here. Like, yes, Shohei's the guy. I still think it's it's a lost cause for the Yankees to pursue him. But nonetheless, there's going to be guys around the league that I think would be great pickups for this team. Um, Travis Darnot is going to be a free agent, but he's got a club option, so the Braves will probably keep him on. Mitch Garver would be a great option at catcher, as well as Omar Narvaez. I think those would also be great options. Their guys been in the league for a while, have been vocal leaders on their teams. First base, Joey Votto, definitely not leaving. That That's not even a question. But yeah. maybe a guy like Brandon Belt could come in who's going to be a free agent. Though maybe his bat won't be that valuable, which he's actually been pretty good this year. He could definitely be a vocal leader on a team. Um, second base, guy like Colton Wong, very vocal leader on his teams. Third base, um... I think Matt Chapman would be a good one. I think even just for veteran leadership, Evan Longoria, maybe yeah. he probably wouldn't come just because of the Rays connection. Uh, yeah. But there's just a long list of guys that they could go out and pick up that would be fantastic options for veteran leadership on this team. And it just seems like they've never prioritized this, at least in recent years. Yeah, I, I completely agree with you. And but I, I, I pose a, a question back to you. All those players that you just named, you know, you were thinking in terms of veteran leadership. Do any of those players that you just named, can you honestly see them with how competitive the AL East has been this year, you know, assuming that it'll be as competitive, if not more competitive next season? Do you see any of those players making a dent with the New York Yankees against some of those AL East AL East teams? They certainly could. Like guys like like I just brought up Brandon Belt. He's literally playing in the AL East and he's playing well. I mean yeah, but like I think it's gonna take a lot more, man. Like the Rays and the Orioles and even the Red Sox as of late just seem so far ahead of the New York Yankees. Like everybody does. Even the Blue Jays seem like they have a little bit more kind of younger talent than the Yankees do. And and that's kind of what I mean is like, yeah, we could look for the veteran leadership, but like it at the end of the day, it is still about wins. Of course, the veteran leadership would help out with wins, but none of those guys that you named really jumps out to me and says like, oh, th this would certainly get us a wild card spot. I'm not saying that those are like, they're, they're not going to build the future, but I think that yeah. there are certainly guys that contribute to a, a positive culture on their team. 
And that's what I feel like the Yankees are missing. Of course, the biggest thing they're missing is a strong farm system. Obviously. Because you guys are not built to win right now, and you're not built to win in the future. Nope. (laughs) But in the meantime, if you want to stay competitive, you're going to have to make those kind of moves. Yes. Because you you can't just go out in the summer and just have a farm system. That's not how it's going to go. So either you guys need to be competitive or you need to start trading away things for prospects. Yep. No, I completely agree. Which actually, speaking of the Yankees, things are starting to heat up right now. Oh, and we just lost. (laughs) (laughs) I'm not even kidding. We had a runner on second and first with two outs and Giancarlo fucking sucked or whatever. I don't know. What a surprise. (laughs) Dude, actually, not to change the subject, he made a catch. Um, surprising yeah i I know (laughs) just just the fact he made a catch it could have been a fly out it's surprising no he actually looks like quite if if this makes sense he made a very athletic play unathletically which i mean what else would you expect john carlo to do yeah of course (laughs) but um no the yankees haven't lost yet it's a runner on third and first john carlo is the batter okay it's a two strike count no balls not promising uh i do want to talk about this nine game losing streak um go ahead so at after that ninth loss uh in a row it, this is crazy um <laughs> this is the first time since 2000 that they have um they haven't been able to hold a lead in over 60 innings played wow yeah that was that's almost seven full games um our first nine game losing streak since 1982 yeah. As well, that's another one to throw out there. Brutal. Uh, also, Rich Hill and Adam Wainwright are the only two players currently on a big league roster that were alive the last time the Yankees lost nine games in a row. Oh, wow. Adam Wainwright was alive in 1982? Yeah, he's like 45. I know, but Jesus Christ. I know, Rich Hill's getting up there too, but... Yeah, Rich man. Hill's like 80. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, <laughs> literally. Uh, but yeah, any other any other closing statements for this Yankees discussion? Um, you know, as much as I am pissed off right now, I still love this team. I love the pinstripes. Um, yeah, d- despite what any motherfucker will say about us, we're still one of the most important teams in baseball. Um, and this is just me talking my shit because I gotta act like a Yankees fan sometimes. I can't always be bashing the team. So, you know. I I trust that there will be a blueprint soon. Um, I just don't see one now. And I think that is, uh, that's how I want to close out talking about the Yankees. All right. Well, let's talk about this weekend. Uh, it looked pretty exciting and then kind of didn't because I was excited for that Angel series to see Mike Trout and Shohei together. Uh, so that's down the drain. But nonetheless, uh, Braves-Giants, big one for the Giants for sure. Um, any other matchups you like? I have a couple more, but uh, keep going. Uh, Rangers Twins is a big one for both of them, really. Twins, yeah. Um, as well, Reds Diamondbacks. Okay. Uh, Um, Dodgers Red Sox. Yeah, gonna be fantastic. Uh, let's see. I'm not really seeing. I mean, rain. You said Rangers Twins, right? Yeah. That one's kind of eh. There's not a lot of good uh, series this week. 
No, I, I really think it's it's for me. Uh, Braves Giants really excited to see that one, and then Reds D backs. Of course, I think it's going to be pretty good. Yeah. Also, the Rays are only two games behind the Orioles, so the Rays Yankees series is important for the Rays. Yep, and it'll be a good matchup too tomorrow um, as you're watching the episode. Hopefully, uh, Garrett Cole and Zach Eflin. Yeah, not bad. We're seeing Strider and Logan Webb for Braves Giants. Yeah, which is it's really funny because you know Garrett Cole means that we're going to get seven innings, probably like eight or nine strikeouts, but we're going to lose the game. Yeah, so, it's almost certain it's great. at this point. Yeah, it really is. Let's see any other good <laughs> pitching matchups? Uh, Tanner Bibby versus Chris Bassett in Guardians Blue Jays. That's a good one. Um, yeah, yeah, that's about it. <laughs> <laughs> not yeah, I mean, not an eventful weekend, but a lot of good ones for like playoff implications. Yeah, I'm Logan Webb and Strider. You already said yeah. that one. Uh, you Darvish and Woodruff. This is all Friday games. Uh, Hendricks and Keller. That's going to be pretty decent. Both guys kind of low ERA ish. Yeah. Um. Yeah, I like it. Good weekend. Yeah. Oh, we've got uh Clark Schmidt versus Tyler Glasnow. Battle of seeing who can get off the mound first. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, um, Oh, my God. Arias and Paxton on Saturday. That's not bad. Hunter Brown, Eduardo Rodriguez on Saturday. Astros, Tigers. That's a good one. Okay. Um, Can I find another one? Max Scherzer's Uh, pitching. uh, Undecided matchup. Max Fried's pitching Saturday as well. That's an undecided matchup. A lot of undecideds I mean, this weekend, but why is that? It's probably just a matter of like somebody is out of the rotation and they need to figure it out, or like they're right now they're running on a four man rotation and they just keep bringing up a different guy or like running a bullpen game. Gotcha. Oh, um, this one's pretty exciting. Carlos Rodon comes back on uh, Saturday, well, or Sunday rather. Um, yeah. I say exciting. It's not exciting. I just wanted to say his name. Yeah, we haven't gotten a lot of opportunities to do that. No, um, and I, I actually still have my MLB stuff. Oh, shit, well. I didn't, I totally forgot. And I have a lot of stuff that you didn't talk about. So, um, where where to start? Okay, here we go. Zach Gallen, nothing new from him. Another masterclass showing on Tuesday. Six innings, seven hits. He gave up one run, which was a single run um, homer. 11 strikeouts, though, Grayson. Six innings, that's pretty, that's pretty yeah. great. Great. Um, Ellie De La Cruz becomes the quickest MLB player to hit 10 home runs and 20 steals through 64 games. So congrats, Ellie. Always. Um, here, here's a questionnaire one, Grayson. You right. love these. Zach Grinke has struck out 1,023 different batters. He passes Roger Clemens for fourth place on the list of pitchers who have struck out over 1,000 batters. Grayson, who are the top three? So it's it's like unique batters, I'm guessing? Yes, different. Uh, Nolan Ryan is number one. Randy Johnson is number two. Oh, uh, if you don't is this, this an old one, one or is it a recent one? Uh, older guy. Older guy. More in the recent old history, if that makes sense. So not okay. like sixties, seventies, eighties. So we're talking like a nineties guy. Yeah, Pedro. Nineties guy. Not Pedro. Ooh, and you already. You already said Clemens, right? Was fourth. Yeah, yeah. So you're missing um, number third or three. Ooh. Uh, yeah, Rinky's fourth. Clemens is fifth. 
Nolan Ryan's first, Randy Johnson's second, who's third? Shit. You said, oh, man, 90. Could you give me, like, a team that they played for? Um, This guy was a part of a trio that was really good in the 90s. Oh, okay. Uh, Then I guess I'll go Smoltz, because he had the most Mag- strikeouts. Maddox. Really? Okay. His third, yeah. That makes sense, because he pitched for a long time. Yep. He has yeah. about like 70 or no actually like close to 90 strikeouts less than uh second place randy johnson but anyway i'm gonna continue it that was fun um luis castillo had a pretty good outing um i think it was earlier last week maybe he threw a seven inning five hit one run game versus the white Sox. but that's not that's not the story here grayson 47 consecutive fastballs at one point yeah we actually talked about that on wednesday Dude, how do you go seven in, like after like I don't know maybe pitch like seven? You you would think that the batters would have to know what's coming at that point. Yeah, um, and that was just like I've never heard of a pitcher doing that before. That's amazing. It's absolutely uh, insane. Here's a fun stat for you: from 1984 to 1986, Don Mattingly was two times as likely to double or hit a home run than to strike out. Wow. Yes, and then, um, of course, we already talked about Aaron Judge, but uh, another Yankee player, uh, Everson Pereira, collects his first RBI in the MLB. I think that was yesterday on the 9-1 rare win for the Yankees. Yep. Um, and, yeah, other news, Aaron Judge just looks ridiculous <laughs> in does. these two games. And that yes. was it for my news. All right. Well, Luke, it's time. Your, your favorite part of the show for now – five weeks this is now six weeks running as long as this remains your favorite part of the show the nfc south preview here and let's start with the standings i'll let you take the floor oh man see i i went saints bucks panthers falcons you motherfucker i'm sorry i'm sorry but i think this division will be so close at I think fourth place will be even close to first place. So the same thing as last year is what you're saying? Basically, yeah. <laughs> I think it's going to be a very competitive division. And I mean, even when I was writing the standings, like I couldn't I couldn't really figure out like where to put these teams because I feel like they're all so even. It's just the one thing for the Falcons, as promising as they look and how – Underrated, I think their offensive weapons are and how underrated their defense is. Desmond Ritter is still the quarterback, which automatically, in my opinion, makes them a fourth place team. I don't know, because Buccaneers quarterback situation ain't great either. Dude, it's it's Baker Mayfield, bro. He's played in the playoffs before. He'll be don't fine. give a fuck. <laughs> All right, my standing saying that he was gonna be good? I didn't. I said that it's a good situation for him because he gets to start. <laughs> okay. But you. I had to take the Falcons first because this division is so crazy. It could happen. Um, And then I got Saints, Panthers, Buccaneers. Okay. I like it. You want me to get started with my dark horse? Actually, I want to explain these these rankings real quick. So Falcons, uh, I'm biased. And I like our defense. And I like, obviously, B. John Robinson, Kyle Pitts, Drake London, and the possibility of Desmond Ritter being a serviceable quarterback. Okay. That's looming in my mind. Uh, the Saints, um, I think their offense is going to be a lot better than people think. 
uh, Derek Carr is going to add a very strong element to this team that I think people are definitely underrating because he's got weapons. Chris Olave, Michael Thomas, he's going to get Alvin Kamara after a couple of games. Um, I like his options, and I hate their defense, but I still think they're going to win some games off the offense. And then, yeah, no, I like that. Um, and you didn't even bring up Jamal Williams' plays for the Saints yeah. now. So oh that's, that's going to be your touchdown guy when yeah. AK comes back. And when AK's not there, he's their starting running back. It's, you know, they got it pretty good over there. Exactly. And then for the Panthers, from what I've seen in the preseason, there is nothing there to help Bryce Young. I was happy with the addition of Miles Sanders and Adam Thielen because I thought that maybe they would make some other pickups. That was really it. Um, I think Jonathan Mingo was a great pick. Uh, wide receiver, but there is zero people protecting Bryce Young, and he is way too willing to go down because of his size, they are going to struggle on offense, inevitably, because they don't have the offensive line to handle a quarterback of of this style. He likes to stand in in the pocket. He looks super cool, calm, and collected in the pocket. For like two seconds, and then there's a defensive lineman in his face. Yep. That offense, way too concerning. The defense, there's a lot of of bright spots. There's also some weak spots. So their defense is kind of here and there. And then the Buccaneers in last, it's mainly just because I don't know we're getting out of Baker. I don't even know if he's going to be the starter. There's really no telling what's going on there. But I I just... I don't know, I don't like this offense because it, it, it worked great for Tom Brady because it's fucking Tom Brady. It <laughs> it has even worked okay for Jameis Winston before. Oh, yeah. I don't know how it's going to look with either Baker Mayfield or Kyle Trask. I I, I really don't. I, I think Mike Evans, of course, is going to be great. Chris Godwins is going to be great. That's it, though. Like, the defensive side, Devin White, Jameel Dean, Levante David... Fantastic stuff. But it just seems like there's not enough there for me to be like, yeah, that team can win some games. I I don't know, man. I, I think that that's where, in all the things you said, I probably disagree with you the most. Because aside from quarterback, that Bucks team is still pretty complete. They they have a lot of the same offensive linemen that were there with Brady as well. I, I think, like, majority. They may have lost a couple. But – um. The defense especially, like they are all still there, especially, um, you know, Jamel Dean signing that contract, which I'm very highly touted on him. I think he's going to have a breakout year. Uh, Vita Vea was a player you didn't name. He's still on that defense. Um, and they they still have better quarterbacks than the Falcons do. Maybe. And they still have Rashad White. I don't think Rashad White's Thanks. that good. I yeah, I mean he was playing in a loaded backfield though, so I'd like to see how he can do, you know, with him actually being the guy. We'll see. But, um, but like their yeah. other options at running back are Chase Edmonds, which is okay, and then like after that it's a huge fall off. Yeah. But I don't know. There there's the opportunity for them to be good. I just I don't see Baker Mayfield as the guy to make them good. Yeah, I mean that, that's definitely fair. Um Dark Horses everyone. <laughs> I, I narrowed mine down a little bit. I went with the Falcons. Fine by me. Um, yeah, I, I, of course. I think um, their offensive line is underrated. They added, uh, oh my gosh, Matthew Berger? Ber- 
Bergeron? Bergeron. Bergeron. The left guard out of uh, Syracuse. I am very, very happy with that pickup. Very, very happy with the uh, Chris Lindstrom um, extension. I think their offensive line is going to be underrated. The additions are just like not getting talked about for some reason. Jeff Okuda, you can say whatever you want about him. I still remember him as like the fourth pick in the draft as a cornerback out of Ohio State. Of course, he was hurt in Detroit or just wasn't playing well. He's on a new team, and I still want to give him some more time. I think he's going to be good. Um, David Onion, of course, the guy from, you know, arch rival Saints, be good. They also got the Saints defensive coordinator from last year, Calais Campbell. It, nobody is talking about the Falcons, man. And I think it's um, – it's a little bit egregious, especially Jesse Bates. If you don't think Jesse Bates isn't going to make a difference on this defense, you're crazy, bro. Jesse Bates is so good at safety. And, um, yeah, that's why they're my dark horses. I think a lot of the draft additions and free agency additions for the Falcons are really going to help them out. No one's talking about it. Yeah. And especially, like, if you even want to go further, now we will get to see how good Grady Jarrett can be with help. And Grady Jarrett, he's you know he's a serious talent. I mean, shit, he's got a billboard in Atlanta. You can see it from seventy-five. He must be a big deal. So I mean, you know, who who's who's gonna know how he's gonna play with you know not being the only guy on that D line? So I, I'm really excited for the Falcons. Really, really excited. Yeah, uh, I am as well. My reason for for just picking everyone as the dark horse in this division is kind of the same reason, like you said, like anybody could be, anybody could be the winner anybody could be the loser they're all gonna have like the same record so um that was kind of my reasoning there uh but let's get into mvp nominees of this division because i don't think there's that many i have four okay i have like a little bit of a longer list only because i added some uh defensive guys okay but um you can go ahead and start i got Kyle Pitts, um, which is a little bit of a hot take, especially with how he was used in Atlanta last season, but I don't care. Um, I will stand on the hill and die on the hill that Kyle Pitts is an MVP caliber tight end. Agreed. Already. He just he just has to get utilized and, and has to keep getting better because he's still young. Uh, so I, I already went, hit, went ahead and put him as one of my MVPs. Um, Alvin Kamara, when he comes back um, – had a little bit of a rough season last year, but I mean, it's still Alvin Kamara. Uh, and then Mike Evans, Chris Godwin. Okay. Rounds out my list. Um, my list is pretty different then. Uh, I'm starting with Bijan because he's just going to, he's going to get so many carries. Um, there. So that's going to be the driving force there. And if he's any bit as good as I think he's going to be, then he's going to be one of the best players in this division. Um, wow. My second one, Derek Carr, just just kind of the same reasons I said they can be good is that he has weapons, and we've seen him with weapons. We've seen him be a very good quarterback, uh, though people want to deny it. Yeah. I, I want to ask you a question. You think it's possible that Bijan Robinson could be the best running back in this division? Yes. Ooh, interesting. Well, he's got some some games in hand on Alvin Kamara this season, so <laughs> that helps yeah. <laughs> him. It's not going to be Miles Sanders because he is just so like right above average. <laughs> and then yeah. I I already said I don't like Rashad White, so yeah. 
But anyway, sorry to cut you off. No, no, you're good. So yeah, Derek Carr, uh, Mike Evans, of course, it's Mike Evans. He's a automatic 1,000 yards. Uh, Kyle Pitts, kind of the same reasons you said. He can be fucking fantastic. We are very well aware of that. He, he's going to catch the ball if you throw it anywhere near him. Um, the red zone is a question for sure. But um, I think that's just up to utilization and kind of the sets we're running in the red zone. But uh, I think he's definitely an option. Then on the defensive side, Brian Burns from Carolina is so fucking good. I think he's just going to get better. And then the same goes for Marshawn Lattimore for the Saints. Okay. I like that. And then, yeah, I guess that rolls us into Defensive Player of the Year nominees. So I'll just start off Marshawn Lattimore, Brian Burns. That's all you got? No, no, that's just kind of the same two guys that carried over. Oh, gotcha. Um, let's see. Uh, I also had Lattimore. Um, I I went with uh, Honey Badger, uh, Levante David, Devin White, Mario Davis, Cam Jordan, Jesse Bates. All right. Yeah, I went Jesse Bates, Cam Jordan, Devin White, Levante David. I'm so glad you didn't put AJ Terrell on your list. I thought it was no. coming, man. I really thought it was coming. No, like I, I think he could definitely get back to what he was two years ago. Mm-hmm. Um, and if he does, then yeah, he'll deserve to be on this list. I just, I don't think he's going to that quickly. Yeah, that that's about what I would say about him. He's good talent. Um, just you know, hadn't been very good the past like couple of years. So yeah, there's some learning to yeah. do for sure. Uh, rookies though. Once again, I'm not that confident, uh, you know, at least deep into these rookies other than Bijan. Like, yeah, Bryce Young is a good quarterback. Does he have the, you know, tools to actually be utilized correctly? I don't think so. Um, But he's still on the list because if something happens, yeah, he's going to be great. Uh, That kind of in turn puts Jonathan Mingo on this list as well, wide receiver for the Panthers. Um, I think he could be great. And then another one, Brian Brisset. Okay. Yeah. I had everybody, but Brian Brisset. So right. I also had Bijan, Bryce and Mingo. All right, cool. Um, a sleeper for rookie of the year that I didn't put on surprise players to watch. Kaliza Kansi. Uh, looks like he's going to start at defensive Big end for the time. Buccaneers. So, yes, I, I love that one. Yep. Um, so you didn't have any other rookies, right? Or you did? Nope. Just those three. Okay. Cool. Yep. Uh, and then surprise players to watch. Uh, I'll let you take this. Okay. Uh, yeah, because I have a bunch. Um, so Jamel Dean, I, you know, a lot of a lot of people I think would like to lean towards the fact that um, once a player signs a big contract, it's usually like probably the season after will be like one of the more kind of poor seasons they would have. You know, like you know, you just sign a new contract. There's really no at that point incentive to keep being good unless you're just, you know, one of those players. But I think Jamel, uh, Jamel Dean is going to be great. Uh, Rashad White with the Buccaneers. I'm pretty, you know, I'm looking at him. Uh, Chris Olave and Michael Thomas. Look, Olave, obviously rookie last year. I think he can only get better this year, especially with Derek Carr at the helm. And then Michael Thomas, like I do not want people to forget that Michael Thomas is still a complete superstar in this league when he is healthy. And I really, really can't wait for 2023 to see him. And I hope he stays healthy the whole time. And I put him on my surprise players list because I still think he'll, you know, come out and surprise people. Um, Jonathan Mingo, I think, is going to be great. Uh, Same with Von Bell, the new safety edition uh, in Carolina from the Bengals. Love me some Von Bell. Um, Jeff Okuda, as I said earlier. 
Drake London, I think, is another player that's going to take the next step for the Falcons. Um, he was brilliant last year. He's going to be brilliant this year, I think, even better. Um, Matthew, uh, how, did, how did we say his last name? Bergeron. Bergeron. I think he's going to be great for Atlanta. Um, you know, just another offensive line pickup. Um, kind of one of the one of the dark spots in the Atlanta offense, I would say. So I think he's going to come clean it up. Um, uh, Brian Brees, like you said, he's also in my surprise players and Kalijah Kansi. All right, uh, I have three. So, oh, wow. <laughs> um, <laughs> and I don't think you said any of them. Uh, Kendra Miller, running back for the Saints. He's a rookie, but I didn't want to put him in the rookie of the year one just because once. Kamara comes back. I'm not too confident that he's been getting the snaps he probably deserves. But dude is a dog. I I really like Kendra Miller, and I think he's gonna work very well because like yeah, Jamal Williams will probably be the starting running back when you know for the start of the season while Kamara's out. But I think Kendra Miller is gonna be getting like the big snaps because like you're not gonna use Jamal Williams on first and ten. So. Yeah. Um, I think Kendra Miller is going to be getting those kind of snaps, and he's going to get the opportunity to show off, and I think he certainly can. Um, my next one, Mac Hollins for the Falcons. Just the fact that outside of what he's done on the field and training camp, which has been good, he's had the, the good flashes, not overall like fantastic. It's not like he's like blowing me away, but I think he offers a, a pretty solid aspect in like, the way that he got absolutely fucking huge this offseason is crazy but I'm glad you brought that up <laughs> yeah also he's a great tiktok follow um he does educational tiktoks oh that's sick yeah pretty cool he also um outside of wearing cleats is always barefoot doesn't wear shoes oh, okay and he doesn't use utensils guy's an animal literally doesn't wear shoes, doesn't use utensils. That is like first two things for an animal. <laughs> yeah, that that first two things that I think of. Animal. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and then oh, my man. third, Kyle Trask, because whether you like it or not, he's going to start at least like one or two games this season. Dang, I feel like that could have been like a claim stake right there. No, like he's going to like whether it be he wins the starting job over Baker or Baker gets hurt, something is going to happen, and Kyle Trask is going to start games this season. Okay, I like it. All right. Well, overall thoughts on this division, um, it'll probably be one of the worst again. Which, like, I honestly hate that term because it's, yeah, it might be the worst, but if every team's like that, it's going to be super entertaining. And come, like, week 17, week 16 – it's going to be a battle. So, but, but like even in the differences of like how we talk about this division compared to how we've talked about the other divisions, it was like, yeah, anybody could win this division. The fourth place team could win this division. That makes yeah. it seem like it's not that, you know, like there's not a great standout team here. And then for MVPs, we could like there's not a superstar here. Yeah, there's not a superstar sure. in the NFC South on the offensive side at least. Defensive side. Great. There's a bunch of big names. Good stuff. Rookie of the year. Bijan's really the only option. But even in other divisions that have great teams, we still we still were talking about guys that can win it. Yeah. And then surprise players to watch. You just laid out a laundry list of guys that 
are like the primary players on these teams are surprise players to watch, and it's for good reason. I'm not like saying that it's a bad thing that you wrote a long list. I'm saying you're right. There's so many guys in this division that are like actual core pieces of their team, and it's still going to be a surprise if they're good. <laughs> okay. All right, all right. All right. I get it. Okay. It is the worst, but it, it'll be entertaining nonetheless. Yeah, I'm, I'm going to be entertained. <laughs> I'm going to be yelling at my TV all year. Um, oh, man. But yeah, I, I'm. You know, I'm looking forward to it. We'll see. Maybe the Falcons sneak I mean, into the playoffs. A first round exit would be fantastic. <laughs> and I mean, like I was just about to say, like even to kind of bounce off of what you just said, none of these teams. Um, obviously, one of these teams will have to make the playoffs, but. I can't see one of these teams being able to make a run. Yeah, I'd like to vote on the NFC, uh, the NFC South as a whole giving up its playoff spot. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no. That's how my confidence is looking going into this season for this division. I love it. That's where I'm at. Um, we should give up our playoff spot. This should all be exhibition. <laughs> awesome. Um, but seriously, I you know I want the Falcons to play well. And like I'm gonna see like Bijan get like a ten yard rush and I'll be like, he's the guy. <laughs> that that's how we all he are could right have there. he could have a game where he goes like he could get like thirty carries in a game and have like seventy five rushing yards, but he had like a twenty five yard touchdown run and I'm be like, Holy shit, like this guy. Look at him. <laughs> now here's a guy. Yeah. I'm gonna be all fucking Chris Collinsworth on him. <laughs> but um that's going to wrap it up for the NFC South preview. Next week, we've got the North, and then we have the Beast and the NFL season preview, which I was so excited for the NFL season to start. I put that on the prep sheet on accident. <laughs> yeah. Yeah I, I, um, yeah, I was really excited to talk about it, too. Yeah. And then when you said that it's you know not time for the season to start, I was like, yeah, the Steelers and Falcons do play each other in preseason today, so it couldn't be started. Yeah, it, it definitely so, doesn't. We still have yeah. two weeks, but we're real excited for it to start. And um, yeah, let let's talk about the prem. It's a it's a great start to the season, in my opinion. As an overall fan of the league, it's a great start. As a fan of Newcastle, it's okay. Um, as a fan of Chelsea, I'm sure you have your opinions. And I yes. think I think I just want to start here before we get into like the actual matches this weekend. Um. I'd like to hear your thoughts just on Chelsea overall in the start, uh, and especially last week's match. Well, as as much as you know, I have high standards for Chelsea because you know, at, Chelsea's a big team. We've won before. We're going to win in the future. But it, it is a young team. A lot of new moving parts. But even in saying that, I hate the excuse of like I don't think we should only have one point. I, I kind of fully expected at least four. You know, the, the tie against Liverpool was okay. Um, the West Ham game was, game was absolutely brutal. And it really just kind of came down to Chelsea were, and, and you watched the game too. We were texting during it the, the entire time. Chelsea were by far the better team. But West Ham, in in the midst of getting shit on, and, and this is going to sound weird, but in soccer especially, there is a type of way you can get shit on and still win. And West Ham did that perfectly. It's, you know, counterattack. It's every every player in the box. It's the goalie playing well. It's winning 50-50 balls. And 
West Ham, you know, they were really good. They, they worked hard the entire game. They were pretty much defending the entire game, and they defended well the entire game. I mean, the fact that the fact that they held Chelsea to one goal um, after 90 minutes is unbelievable. Um, yeah, and I want to I want to yeah. say this because you said that like Chelsea looked great like throughout this match or not great but you know they were promising. Yeah, they, it looked like yeah. there was a goal to come. I think that was how I felt for the whole first half for sure. Strong attacks. Sterling looked fucking phenomenal in the yes, first he half. Did. And actually, he didn't even look that bad in the second half. But like, no. like you guys were feeding Jackson super well. Chukwameka scored a goal and looked very good. And then he gets hurt to end the first half. And um, when was was the penalty kick in the first? Yeah, it was in the first uh, half. No, the, the penalty kick was all the way at the end of the game. Uh, no, Enzo's that he missed. Uh, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, he didn't yeah. miss. He got saved. But that was so readable. Yeah. Oh, no, yeah. It was one of the worst penalties I've ever seen. And, you know, kind of thinking about it, Chelsea don't really have a penalty taker. I was Honestly, about to say that. <laughs> I, would, I would throw in Thiago Silva. Just over experience. Yeah. Alone to take a penalty. Not, you know, Enzo Fernandez. Did Enzo take a penalty in the World Cup final? Maybe. I, I don't know. I mean, it doesn't really matter. But, like... Yeah, I mean the the I don't really feel as though as a Chelsea fan that the scoreline really reflected what what the game looked like, and maybe I'm just completely delusional. Like this is still an awful loss, especially when you know you throw in the fact that West Ham got a red card in like the 67th minute, which is plenty of time for a team like Chelsea. 20 minutes is plenty of time for a team like Chelsea to score two goals with a team 10 men down. Yeah, except so, after that red card, they looked significantly worse. Yeah. Um, so, you know, I think overall to go back to the question that you asked me, cause we kind of went off on tangents, um, Chelsea look okay. Um, and I, as a Chelsea fan, I'm not really worried about it, but I, I kind of am worried about it. If that makes sense. Um, yes, I, I like our starting 11. I love the formation. I don't love the fucking injuries. Our, our entire team has been made out of glass, dude. I, I saw this stat. Chelsea have had, since January, like something like 47 players go down on injury and miss games. Because you had Reese James, who's out for a couple of weeks now. He didn't play against West Ham. Chuck Lameca scores a goal and then gets hurt. Um, and, and this week, Reese James is out again. And so is Mikelo Mudrick. It, it just is continuous for us. And I don't know. Um, you know, I feel like with Chelsea, there's a lot of things that you can kind of take 50-50. There's a lot of good things. Like, you can see the blueprint. The young players are here. They're getting adjusted. Um, but there's also a lot of bad things, too, that yeah, are still in the team. Definitely. Uh, yeah. but, uh, uh, we didn't even talk about Moises Caicedo. Yeah, either. I was about to bring that up. Um, yeah, I, okay, I, I know everybody. Okay, he had a bad fucking debut. Yeah, he did. We'll get that off. We'll, we'll go ahead and get that in the air. But... I think it was just a matter of him trying to do too much, and it was maybe not not the game he should have come into. Um, yeah. Because um, he was trying to play box-to-box, which I get. That's that's what his role is going to be. It's your debut. You haven't even been training more than, like, a couple of days with the team. Yeah. I, I just, I don't think he was, I don't think it was the best timing for him to come into a game. I think it would have been totally fine and justified if they didn't bring him in and they let him play this week. Yeah, I mean, he came in for Chilwell 
in, in the 61st minute, which, um, of, of course, I, I think my excitement to see Moises Caicedo debut took away from the fact that subbing out Ben Chilwell, who actually started as the captain for that game, yeah, I, I don't really like it, man. Um, ben Chilwell, it, you know, I get that he's a defender and you're replacing him with a center mid in a game that you're losing, uh, in a game where West Ham are just going to be clearing the ball out probably like one or two players versus like maybe five to like three Chelsea players. And Moises Caicedo is probably going to win the ball from one of those attackers every time and then put it back into the other box for us to keep attacking. I think that's why we subbed him in. But for Chilwell, honestly, I would have rather, um, and I know this sounds kind of crazy, I would have rather it been like maybe uh, Gallagher or Enzo that came out. I would have much rather been Gusto. He looked so fucking bad. I don't know. He had a seventy or seven point two rating. I, I like Gusto. I don't know. It um, just seemed like it just seemed like he wasn't playing the same. Like it's hard to say that he should have been playing the same role as Reese James because Reese James plays that role so well. Yeah. It just seemed like like if you had Reese James in that game, he would have been setting up Sterling so well because Sterling was having to build things on his own. It seemed, especially in the yeah. first half, and he was doing yeah. a good job of it. Into the second half. He can't just keep doing that over and over again and expect something to come out of it. He needs somebody to help him out. That's what Reese James's role is a lot of the time. He's helping out the attack on the right side. Gusto just did not seem to have the... Uh, I don't know what it, like, what it really was, but he just wasn't getting up into that... into the space that he needed to be in. It didn't seem like yeah. he was getting up into the corner where Reese James is comfortable being. And then on the defensive side, it just seemed like... He always needed help. Yeah, uh, I mean and that's that's a fair assessment as well. But you know, back to the um, back to Moises Caicedo, I, I don't agree with him coming out for Chilwell because Chilwell can do so much for your defense, so much for your offense. Yeah. Um. Even even we could talk about Mikelo Mudrik. Like, yeah, he finished with a seven point two rating, but like, I would argue that he was largely ineffective the entire time he was in the game. He played. Um, he got subbed in, obviously, for the injured Chuck Lameca, so he started the second half. And, you know, where you're going to find Mudrick dangerous is when he has space to show off that speed, whether it's making a run or whether he actually has the ball. And it looked like in this Chelsea formation, I don't know if it's the same um, in the software that you're using, but on um, SofaScore, which is what I use, um, you have Nicholas Jackson as your striker. And then Carney, or no, not Carney, Chuck Lameca and Raheem Sterling are almost like two cams. Yeah, and of course they're going to go out wide, but it looked like um, Mikelo Mudrick kind of took that cam spot to heart, and he was like playing way too close to the middle of the um, the pitch, which is where he was marked all the time. And when Mikelo Mudrick is marked, he really isn't that effective at all. He he doesn't really seem to get open through good coverage. It almost seems like he needs to start out completely free, and that's when he's most effective. And we didn't see that at all. Yeah, I definitely agree with that. I think they need they need him to go out wide. You can allow Gallagher to come up the field a little bit and kind of repl- like not replace Chukwameka's spot, but at least fill in that hole if Mudrik goes out wide because he needs to be out wide. He needs space to make himself look good, honestly. Yes. Yeah. And it just seems like they didn't do that. Uh, but let, let's move on from this. I'm going to talk a little bit about Newcastle to start the season. Two matches in, the, the Aston Villa match was fantastic, obviously, and I talked yes. about that. 
this match was a little bit different. Man City, we lose 1-0, and it, it just seemed like guy like there was too many guys having an off day is what it looked like. Like it was really Tonali and Almiron on the right side that were that that really, really caused some issues. Anthony Gordon wasn't great either. But honestly, wherever you put him, Harvey Barnes needs to be starting, whether it's on the right, the left, fucking goal. I don't care. Harvey Barnes needs to be on the field. And Almiron does not. Sadly. Yeah. It it just seems like he, he, yeah, he looked good in that first match, but that's because we blew it open. I, I just think that he, there's something missing there. And I think that was hurting Tonali as well. Yeah, no, that that makes sense. But, you know, also, I want to kind of ease your senses a little bit, and I know you already know this, but it was against Manchester City. Yes, there I are, get that. Even in this coming week, you know, we're about to talk about it, Newcastle are going to play Liverpool. So it's another tough challenge that they're going to have to face. Um, and, you know, their their team is pretty, I would say, like, kind of new. You, you have some moving parts there. Um, you did get to see uh, Livermento, finally. He came on for Almiron, which is nice. Um, I, I really do think that this this beginning part of the season uh, for Newcastle, you know, with how hard that their schedule is going to be, this is where they're going to need to prove it. And of course, like yeah, you you take a one nil to Manchester City. I mean, a one nil to Manchester City, I feel like is kind of rare. If you're not going to score against Manchester City, I would have expected them to score two or three. Yeah, but Newcastle did hold them to one with that amazing defense, and. You know, like I said, you're going to be able to prove it against Liverpool, and then you're going to be able to prove it in the next game. So I wouldn't be too worried as a Newcastle fan, but, I mean, this kind of was a bummer game. You would have liked to have seen them be more exciting, maybe at least score one goal. Yeah, that's that's what I'm looking for from New, from from Newcastle. It's like, first of all, big ups to the defense because you shut down Erling Holland. You made him look human in this match, which was crazy. <laughs> the amount of times they stopped him in the box, phenomenal. Phil Foden was another story. Uh, uh, let me tell you. <laughs> but, like, Daniel Byrne did not look great on the left. But it, it doesn't help that Joe Ellington didn't help him out very much. So Phil Foden was all over him. Rodri was all over him. Alvarez scored the goal. He played very well. The goal definitely made him look much better. Um, the best thing there for him outside of the goal was the passing. He was passing super well, but then Holland would get shut down or Grealish would get shut down. Grealish looked really bad. Um, but the rest of their team just was so solid. Their defense across the board was great. I Vardy all didn't even have like the best game out of the defense, but he was the one that stood out to me watching this match. Holy shit, they didn't even make a sub. Yeah, that's that's the part that irks me. Why did they not make a sub? <laughs> it, it makes me feel like it's insulting to be like none of our guys are tired. So so if you're the Newcastle manager, you're not shaking Pep's ham after the game. No, Eddie Howe should have punched him in the fucking face. <laughs> Palmed his bald head. Yeah. No, um, I want to highlight, you know, Mateo Kovacic obviously played the entire 90 minutes. And he, uh, of course, I didn't watch the game, but he had a pretty solid rating to finish. What did you think about Mateo and his new team? I think he looks good. I, I I think he's doing exactly what I said he would. Oh, okay. <laughs> Interesting. He's just playing that like calm playmaking role in the midfield. Yep. And it's all he needs to do. I like it. Uh, I will say that I think the reason they didn't make subs is because there's like nobody on this bench right now. 
like De Bruyne, yeah, De Bruyne, and John Stones and Bernardo Silva were all out. Silva is back. He's not leaving. We'll get to that in transfer news. But with John Stones, who was out, I think he's out for like another week, maybe. He might even be back this week. And then obviously De Bruyne is out for months. But they weren't going to bring in Calvin Phillips because they were, they were very close to getting rid of him. Um, Ake, you didn't really need to make a sub in the defense. So that wasn't, you know, pressing. And then Cole Palmer didn't look all that great last week. He was pretty good. But um, I don't know. <laughs> You weren't going to bring him in for Foden. Yeah, no, that's a good point. Honestly, looking at Manchester City's bench, it, yeah, you're kind of right. Like you have a lot of numbers that are like 52, 87, 80, and that kind of yeah. tells you everything you need to know. Yeah, that that tells the story. <laughs> when there's a 52 on the bench, there, that's that's why they're not making subs. Um, yeah. <laughs> but I, I'm not I'm not even mad at Newcastle though with this performance. It's just like I said at the beginning, it's just a couple of off days. Yeah. I mean, I respect that from you. All right. Well, let's talk about this weekend. We'll start here. Arsenal-Fulham. Um, I, I don't know how to feel about this one. Do you Do you have that same read here? Uh, No, not really. Um, Arsenal are one of the three teams that have six points. Um, they've won both of their first games, and I think that they will continue to win this weekend. <laughs> okay. Yeah, because like um, Fulham is weird to me because they looked fucking atrocious against Brentford last week, which is crazy because I think Brentford yep. is very bad. It, it doesn't help that, you know, Ream got sent off in the 64th, but um, nonetheless, yeah, Brentford just looked very good. And then, you know, Arsenal, they look great. But, you know, what can I say? But they've played Crystal Palace and Nottingham Forest. So they're coming yep. up against a defense that I actually like, with Fulham's defense. Uh, I, I think they're pretty good. Obviously, they'll be missing Ream because he got a suspension. But Robinson, Diop, Tete, I like both of them. Or sorry, all three of them. Uh, we'll probably see... I'm trying to think like who else is even on this bench in defense. But um, is Tosin Adara Bioyo still there? I, I don't even see him. Out Dude, I'm only seeing four players uh, on their bench outside of who got <laughs> subbed in last week. So, uh, for Fulham, yeah, okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, let's not see. a lot of options. Uh, oh, they have Kevin Mbabu. He, yeah, uh, he's kind of sick on FIFA. I definitely like a guy that could come into the game, but um, nonetheless, like, yeah, Arsenal's probably going to win. Uh, I think that's pretty obvious, but I don't know. I can't get a good read on Fulham yet. Yeah, um, they're they're kind of one of those like you know they were mid table last year, but they also kind of have had like I feel like a little bit of a shaky start to this season, so. Yeah, it is a little bit too early to kind of um, predict Fulham, I think. I'm right there with you. Yeah, and how tough is that, dude? Yuri and Timber out till January? Oh, I know. Brutal. Brutal. And then oh, it looks second. like that's two episodes in a row, Luke. <laughs> <laughs> but it looks like Falaren Balligan is out right now and might be on the way out. Um, so that's tough. Uh, Tomayasu is suspended for this match, uh, and Gabriel Jesus is doubtful. So I think he was out last week. Um, though they still got the win over Crystal Palace, it definitely seemed like they were missing something in attack. Oh, a hundred percent. Um, yeah, you would kind of expect a team like Arsenal to, um, obviously rack up more goals, especially with how you know good they were last season. But um, you know, Kai Havertz and Declan Rice just kind of meh. Yeah, Declan Rice kind of needs to step it up a little bit. Yeah, I mean, he, he finished against Crystal Palace with a 7.3, but 
I, I don't really know if you could say he altered the game like you would expect him to. Yeah. Um. So, yeah, and then Kai Havertz again, you know, another player that I feel like just needs more time to settle in. So I, I do like Odegaard and Sokka on the right. I think they work well together there. Yeah, I, I like that too. Um, But, you know, maybe the lack of goals could just be Gabriel Jesus being hurt, like yeah. you said. Um, Not to, you know, say that Nikita is a bad player or anything. It's just Gabriel Jesus is, you know, leagues above him, I feel like, as far as, you know, experience and actual just goal scoring ability. So. Yeah, I, I definitely agree with that. And like uh, an interesting substitution to bring on Jorginho for Nikita or uh, Keita. It's just that's kind of got a little question marks there. But um, yeah, I, I feel like they probably could have taken a better approach going into the second half on this one and, you know, maybe brought in a little bit of help off the bench. Maybe like a like. Smith Rowe maybe could have helped the attack a little bit because Martinelli was kind of struggling, but in the end, like they they still played well. They just don't have their full team out there. Yeah, how about um Tomas Partey on the right? Yeah, I, I've never seen him play right back. Before. Very interesting actually, move. Yeah, he was their best rated player from Crystal Palace game too. Yeah, he looked really good. Um, so just the right side of the field, fantastic. <laughs> Left side, different story. <laughs> yeah exactly <laughs> uh but you know score predictions wise for arsenal fulham i, I think we're looking at like a 2-0 arsenal yeah uh 2-0 arsenal I, I would go three but just you know with, with what we highlighted with gabriel jesus being out and you know nikita having stru- uh, struggles scoring i feel like it could probably only be 2-0 maybe even another 1-0 who knows yeah it could be uh i'm looking at uh, a goal for Saka. And I'm trying to think, I don't know. Martinelli looked bad last week. Maybe a goal for Emil Smith Rowe. I think he'll come in the game, score a goal late. Yeah, I was gonna actually gonna say the same thing. I bet he'll come on and score. All right, our next matchup: two teams that we're just kind of being forced to talk about. <laughs> Brighton, Bro, what do you mean, West Ham? Dude, Brighton are. With Arsenal and Manchester City. No, that's what I'm saying. These two teams are playing so good that we just have to talk about it. Okay, yeah, yeah. I I thought you were saying, like, oh, we got to talk about it. But I I read your context wrong. Yeah. Like, um, look, Brighton is very, very good. Yeah, Brighton's last two games, they've scored eight goals and conceded only two. So they're both 4-1 wins. Um, You really couldn't start better than that? Yeah. (laughs) I mean, I guess you could score five goals and concede... No goals. Or you could have played better teams. Yeah, yeah, Luton and uh, Wolves, you you really can't just execute more those these days. So, yeah, I get that. But then on on West Ham's side, they have the tough start, 1-1 Bournemouth, but they've got to be riding so high off that win. Oh, yeah, especially, you know, with Chelsea being their rivals too. And, and I mean, it was like a hot game. Um, Obviously, with you know Gallagher pushing Paqueta down, uh, I texted you about that. That was kind of one of the funny moments. But yeah, yeah, yeah. If I'm a West Ham fan and player, I am riding very high off the Chelsea game. Um, and you know they're going to have to take it to Brighton though, because Brighton, like we just said, have looked crazy. Yeah, and West Ham will be missing uh, a Garrett in this one, so a little bit of a uh, a hit on the defense. But you know you still have Ogbonna uh, as an option there, so not too much difference uh when you take when you swap those guys out yeah they play a little bit different but um 
Ward Prowse looked fucking phenomenal in his debut. Um, assist? Yeah, and two assists, I think. I think he had both the assists. He had the assist on the corner and then the assist uh, for Mikhail Antonio's goal. Yeah, you're exactly right, actually. Yeah. Imagine James Ward Prowse getting an assist off of a set piece. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Set piece merchant. Yep. <laughs> um, but uh, Edson Alvarez, we didn't see much of. Um, like He came in in the 81st, so and subbed on for James Ward-Prowse. I, I have a feeling we, we might see him start. Um, I think there's some things that they can move around in this lineup that would work very well. Um, I, I've heard that they could consider putting Ward-Prowse out wide. I just don't think that would work very well. I don't like yeah. that. Uh, but if you can work Edson Alvarez into this lineup and – it's the hard part is that you have your ideal midfield right now, Paqueta, Susek, Ward Prowse. Yep. So it's hard to work in Edson Alvarez, but maybe you give him a chance over Susek or over Ward Prowse this week. It's it's really just up to whatever you want to do because you have a lot of options. Um, Pablo Fornals looked pretty, uh, he was okay coming in the 76. He didn't really have to do much uh, yeah. at that point. But. Overall, like West Ham looks great. The defense is pretty good. It could definitely be better. Uh, Emerson looked a little bit lost <laughs> facing Sterling, but otherwise had a great game. Uh, but then, yeah. like on the left side, like Chukwemeka was absolutely flaming Kufal uh, over and over again, as well as yeah. Joel. They were both just exposing him. But Ariola had a great game in goal, of course, saving that penalty. I don't know who I like in this matchup, though, Brighton-West Ham. Uh, I would have to go Brighton, but, you know, going back to one thing that I I wanted to talk to about something that you said that was interesting. So, is Lucas Paqueta leaving or not? No. No, that's officially not happening, at least in this transfer window. At least to Man well, City. Okay, so that, that to me, kind of hurts Edison Alvarez's chances because what I was going to say is if Lucas Paqueta was still to leave, just play without a cam. Play with, a, like, a third center mid and have Edison Alvarez play it. Or yeah, maybe maybe Fornells could play that cam role. But I I would prefer Alvarez to start over Fornells, but that's just me. Um, because personally, might be a hot take, but I don't really – I wouldn't feel comfortable as a West Ham manager to replace Thomas Susek just yet, the Czech Republic center mid. He is a very underrated Premier League player. Um, And, of course, you know, Edison Alvarez might be kind of a bigger name with um, his transfer and with what he's done from Mexico, but still, don't, you know, don't fix what's not broken. Yeah, exactly. I I don't really know where Edison Alvarez finds his place in this lineup with with Lucas Paqueta. And I don't think they have to find his place just yet. No, they don't. But I mean, it, it is you know from the editor or Edervice to the Premier League, you know, you don't necessarily you're not guaranteed a starting spot. I mean, their leagues different. Yeah, uh, yeah, it's quality, super different. So, yeah. Um, I really can't think of a score here. I, I'm leaning West Ham, but then like Aguirre is out, and I have questions with their attack. Uh, also, Paqueta, they could not have to deal with him either because he could get uh, a lengthy suspension for betting on games. <laughs> they were talking about that often in the uh, in the match last week. So yeah, um, um, that could be a way that Edson Alvarez gets in the lineup. There, there was actually some fishy, um, some fishy evidence against him too. Like yeah. he would, um, 
I forget what he would do, whether it was like maybe getting subbed out at certain times or he would get hurt at like, you know, certain suspicious times. So like, I don't know. I don't remember exactly what I heard, but um, yeah, we'll have to see how that develops because that could be very, very interesting for West Ham, um, you know, in the in the weeks ahead. But I, I'm going to go I'm, I'm going to go Brighton. Um, I, I think it's pretty simple here. Brighton have scored eight goals and only conceded twice. West Ham have not done that. <laughs> so I'm, I'm going to go three one Brighton. All right. I'm going to go. I'm going to go two one Brighton. I like it. All right. Our final matchup. Once again, Newcastle. It's this this tough stretch we're on. Newcastle versus Liverpool. This is a fantastic matchup, first of all. Um, I think oh, yeah. these two teams match up very well, especially from what we've seen from Liverpool so far. So I, I'm excited for this match. Yeah, me too. Um, kind of like with what I was talking about earlier, it's exciting to me because Newcastle still have a lot to prove, and it's a perfect opportunity to try to prove it against a team like Liverpool, right? Um, let's see. And then on the other side, you know, I feel like a lot of people have been dogging on Liverpool, like you and I, you know, second and short podcast has not been a fan of Liverpool, um, especially in this transfer window. And I feel like they still have a lot to prove. They probably still need to sign that holding midfielder, honestly. Um, yeah, I think they did officially sign with Taro Endo. Um, but that's really I, I've seen. I think we'll talk about it in the transfer news. But I believe they've shown interest in uh, Gravenberch as well. Yep, yep. Which we talked about that on the podcast as well um, previously. Yeah, but Taruendo actually showed up. Um, he got subbed on in the sixty third against Bournemouth last week. Yeah, um, I think my my thoughts on this one is if Newcastle had drawn or maybe even lost like two one. To Manchester City instead of 1-0 I probably would have had Newcastle beating Liverpool but with how they played against Manchester City it makes it quite difficult for me I'm gonna go 2-2 draw okay yeah I'm I don't know there, there's there's questions surrounding Mohamed Salah he could be leaving um to to go to Saudi Arabia so that definitely kind of throws a wrinkle uh in this Liverpool lineup but yes. um I got a feeling that won't be done just yet this weekend. So we could still see him in the lineup. Uh, but otherwise, yeah, I, I I don't know. It's going to be hard to beat Liverpool for sure. Uh, but I think the physical defense for Newcastle works very well against this attack for Liverpool because it, it's a lot of it's it's skillful guys. That's kind of the whole that whole front line. It is based on speed and skill, and I think the physicality might beat them out in that, you know, in that range or whatever the fuck I'm trying to say. Uh, but I understood you. I, I don't know. I, I'm thinking. I'm thinking two one. I I, th- I think we'll we'll get back on track. Okay, I like that. Um, yeah, actually, looking at it now, um, Liverpool's last game was against Bournemouth. They beat uh, Bournemouth three uh, one. I think Bournemouth also had a red card as well. I think no, Liverpool, Liverpool had the yeah. red card. Alexis McAllister did. Yeah. You're right. Um, Endo did get his debut. He came on in the 62nd minute for Gakpo. Um, they actually went with uh, Diogo Jota as their striker, and Luis Diaz and Mohamed Salah were the two wingers around him. So um, Darwin Nunez did not play, uh, or he, he got uh, did not start. Yeah, yeah, he subbed on, but very late in the game too. Um, that could have been, though, just because Luis Diaz was having a monster game. 
So, yeah, no, I like what you said. I think uh, Newcastle's uh, – their defense matches up with Liverpool's front three super well. And Newcastle, they're, they're a more well-rounded team than Liverpool right now. As we've talked about before, Liverpool still do not have that holding midfielder, at least one that will start regularly at least. Um, I said at least twice there, but that's okay. So, yeah, I, I think Liverpool's front three is what they're going to count on, but Newcastle will be able to match it, which is why it's going to be a tough game. All right. Yep. I like it. Historically, this is not a good matchup for us. Uh, That's okay. Uh, I'll, I'll just put that out there. But, um, yeah, I'm excited for this one, as I'm excited for all of these matches we've played. It's been uh, a fantastic way to start my fandom. Yes. Uh, stressful as well. But... Um, yeah, so I've got them 2-1. What was your prediction? Sorry. Uh, 2-2. Okay, cool. Well, uh, just to talk about the table a little bit, I know we're only two games in, but, uh, Brighton, Manchester City, and Arsenal, the only teams, two wins, uh, Brentford, Liverpool, Tottenham, and West Ham all have a win and a draw, and then Newcastle, Villa, Nottingham Forest, Crystal Palace, Man U, and Fulham have a win and a loss. And then Bournemouth, Chelsea, Sheffield, Luton, Burnley, Wolves, and Everton have not won a game. Dude, how about Luton Town has more goals than Everton and Burnley combined right now? Let's go. (laughs) Dude, I can't wait for that first home game. We should go. Oh, no. We need to get tickets and just go. Yeah. And then uh, other matches around the league this weekend. We got Chelsea Luton tomorrow, uh, Friday. So today, as you're yes. listening, Chelsea versus Luton Town at Stanford Bridge. Uh, Bournemouth Spurs. Uh, we already talked about Arsenal Fulham, Brentford Crystal Palace, Everton Wolves, Man U, Nottingham Forest, and then Brighton West Ham, of course. Burnley Aston Villa, which I think could be an okay matchup. Uh, oddly enough, I don't know why, but. I don't know. I think it could be fun. I think it's just going to be a goals galore for Aston Villa on that one. And then Sheffield United, Man City, same thing. Definitely a lot of goals. And then uh, Newcastle, Liverpool, and that's it for the week. So uh, a good weekend here in the Premier League. Let's talk transfer news. We've got quite a lot going on. Um, We'll we'll start with the Mason Greenwood stuff. Uh, it's, It's so touchy. It's a touchy subject, uh, but it Manchester United have announced that Mason Greenwood will leave the club. I think it's been like a week and a half since they said he was like being reintroduced into the team. It's just so weird, and and now like it looks like Manchester United are really under pressure from everyone. So like people within the 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 team and like the front office are pressuring them to donate any potential transfer fee they receive to charities to fight domestic abuse. I heard that players from their women's team were going to publicly criticize the team if they kept him. Um, And then, like, Saudi Arabia somehow got involved. I guess their clubs are reluctant to... um, or they're reluctant to allow their clubs to sign Greenwood. That's pretty funny. You would have think that he they would have made him the highest fucking played player over there. Yeah. Well, apparently, like, at least Saudi Arabia, like they have started like supporting a women's league. Um, they, I guess they're trying to make advancements in. Um, so that would kind of be tough. Uh, Steven Gerrard uh, had to, he called the rumors of 
uh, Mason Greenwood being linked to El Atifak, uh fake news, because they certainly are. He's definitely not going there. Uh, and then this is actually a, a nice thing. Jamaica are offering or they're interested in offering Mason Greenwood a chance to switch his international allegiance from England to Jamaica so that he can try and rebuild his career. Wow. That's interesting. Yeah. So there's one good thing happening to him. Yeah. One. <laughs> but yeah, this whole thing is so hard to deal with because, you know, it's a matter of person over player. And if people think that there's, you know, a, a, an issue with the person, he shouldn't be there. And that seems to be the, uh, the conclusion they've come to. Yep. That's, that's kind of what I'm getting at too. And um, yeah, let's move on to the next thing though. Manchester city uh, likely to loan out Calvin Phillips this summer uh, just to try and get his career back on track. Supposedly Liverpool are interested as they should be for any defensive midfielder that's on the market. Yes. Um, yeah, I actually like that move for Liverpool. Um, I, I feel like it's kind of a safe option to get a player that is already in the Premier League, you know, like to keep them in the same league. They're already used to yeah. it. They don't have to move country. You know, it's nothing crazy like that. So I feel like it's a win-win for Liverpool and Calvin Phillips if that were to work out. Agreed. Uh, but next thing, Kylian Mbappe has suggested the name of Antoine Griezmann to the management at PSG, and Griezmann's only got a 25 million euro release clause in his contract, so it wouldn't be hard to get him. Uh, is this Mbappe trying to bring in some friends, or is this Mbappe trying to bring in his replacement? I think his replacement. Yeah. Uh, yeah I, I, I think, think it's so his replacement. Well. I, I like this move for PSG, honestly. Antoine Griezmann could probably finish his career there, um, but I don't want them to forget about Gonzalo Ramos. I really. I don't think to, they are. They they, you know, spend a little bit of money on him. So. Yeah, they did. For sure. <laughs> and he's already. I mean, he's already been playing. Yeah. With them as well too, and they're you know starting eleven or coming off the bench, so that's at least good. But you know, obviously, adding Antoine Griezmann would add depth to his position. It would add more competition. So I just feel like I had to say that. <laughs> Agreed. Um, next thing though, Manchester City have reached a total agreement with Rens to sign Jeremy Doku for just over sixty million. Exciting. Uh Jeremy Doku um could be the next set in Hazard. So I like hey. that move a lot. Not not that he's going to City, but That's true. Uh but yeah, I definitely agree. I think he's a, a very promising player. Uh, West Ham are close to reaching an agreement with Ajax to sign Mohamed Kudus. So they're trying to just clean out Ajax of all of their promising talent. Um, I think they got a bid of like 40 plus 10 and add-ons denied. Um, so it's looking like they want 60 or more. Dang. Yeah. yeah they've, uh, they've given the Dutch a lot of money over there, haven't they? Don't <laughs> they always, though? It seems like every transfer window, somebody leaves Ajax for a lot of money. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but the next one, Eintracht Frankfurt are standing firm with PSG and demanding 100 million euros for striker Randall Kolomuani. So on a previous podcast, I you called him a defender. Myself. I called him a defender, <laughs> and I even had it in my reminders to correct myself on. So that was, I think, two podcasts ago. Uh, yeah. Forgot to do it last podcast, but I'm going to do it now. Yes, he's a striker. I always knew that he was a striker. I just messed up and said defender. Um, but you know, back to the task at hand. Yeah, he is, in my opinion, worth a hundred million dollars. I, I do not dispute Frankfurt at all for that. Um, 
saying PSG really want another striker, though. <laughs> yeah, I, I think they're just going to buy every single striker in the world until they have all of them, and then they're going to complain when they want to leave. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> exactly. Uh, oh, man. But next uh, move, Chelsea will sign Jordan Petrovic from New England Revolution for 16 million euros. Yep, some goalie from the Balkans. Um, we needed it. Um, I really don't know much about this guy, despite, you know, us living in America, Grace and I have decided that fuck the MLS. Yeah, we're boycotting so, the MLS until it's good. Um, yeah, exactly. Even with Messi there. Yeah, but um, I'll, I'll, I like the only team. MLS that I'm taking in is Messi goals. Yeah, that <laughs> that's pretty much me as well. Um, yeah, we needed a goalie to replace Kepa to give uh, Roberto Sanchez some more competition. So I, I like this move for Chelsea. A good one. Agreed. Uh, next thing, though, Bayern Munich are not ruling out the possibility of selling Ryan Gravenberch this summer. Uh, Liverpool, of course, like we said, have been interested, and so is Manchester United because they just need more midfielders, I guess. Imagine if he ends up at United instead of Liverpool, oh, man. Dude. Someone needs to lose their job if that happens. Honestly, at that point, I would be okay with Everton fans clowning them. <laughs> yeah, I would too. Like With as bad as Everton's going to be this year, they would be allowed to clown Liverpool fans for that. A hundred percent. Um. We talked about this earlier, but Manchester City's move to sign Lucas Paqueta has entirely collapsed. Uh, it is completely off. Could happen in January. I, I think the biggest part here, other than transfer fee, is that, that pending investigation. Yeah, um, but, you know, on the Manchester City side, what, is, what does that mean for their midfield? You know, they lost De Bruyne. They, I guess, still want to get rid of Bernardo Silva. We don't really know what's going on with him anymore. I'm pretty sure he I signed a contract. I think it's somewhere in here. Pretty oh, sure he okay. signed an extension and will stay. Okay, well then I guess that kind of fixes it. Maybe, you know, with that being said, maybe you don't really need Lucas Paquette anymore. Um, I mean, I, I think he's a great young player. Um, that would have been a good addition to Manchester City, but I guess it's not really that big of a deal with Bernardo Silva extending. Yeah, exactly. Uh, next move, though, Imeric Laporte is on his way out. He is uh, officially a part of Al Nasser. Yep. Not surprised. Not surprised. <laughs> uh, but I am actually pretty happy about this move here. Uh, PSV have signed, not PSG, PSV have signed Serginho Dest on a season-long loan for Barcelona with an option to buy for $10 million. Uh, I, With that low of a fee, I think they would have to buy him. Oh, yeah, 100%. Um, I feel like that's honestly a really low fee for him. I, I mean, he I don't may... know. He's very much like out of favor at Barcelona. I think they're just trying to get rid of him. Yeah, and I mean, he didn't really have um, the best season at Milan, but he's still, you know, a a fast, offensively good, um, you know, right back that I, I would I would want him on Chelsea. Better than Kirk Correa. True. <laughs> Anybody's better than Kirk Correa, but um, yeah, I feel like that's quite cheap for him. Yeah, agreed. Uh, <clears throat> but our next move, Bournemouth have completed the signing of American midfielder Tyler Adams from Leeds. 20 million pound fee, five-year contract. He's back in the Prem. Ah, man. Do you like this move? I like that he's back in the Prem. That's it. Yeah, but but wouldn't... I would have liked to have seen him gone up from Leeds, not, you know... I feel like Leeds to Bournemouth is very horizontal for him. It is. And he needs to go up. Especially a five-year contract. Like, that's... 
you know, I, I don't really know. It, it feels like to me, soccer players rarely ever finish out contracts because there's yeah. so many transfers all the time. But five years is a long time to play at Bournemouth for a young potential or a promising player like him. I think the play here was put him under contract for five years because if he's very good, we don't want him to walk for free. Yeah. I, I think yep. that's the main play there for five. Uh, yeah, but create all the hoops for the team that wants to sign him in four years. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but our next move, all Etihad. They're in preliminary talks with Manchester United's Rafael Varane. Um, it looks like personal terms are agreed. I don't know how willing United will be to give him up, though. Yeah, um, Varane, I don't, in my opinion, really hasn't been that great at Manchester United compared to Real Madrid, but I feel like he's still a very important player to Manchester United. So, like you said, I don't really know how, you know, willing they're going to be to get rid of him as well. Yeah, uh, and then our next move, Yao Cancelo's medical for Barcelona is scheduled for Friday. That, so, that's exciting. Um, yeah, Yao Cancelo I'm, is so fucking good. <laughs> not sure if this is a loan or a permanent um I should probably look into that. But nonetheless, he won't be at Man City this season. Yeah. Um, he he just, just doesn't fit. It doesn't fit Pep Guardiola's idea of what he needs at left back. No, but he does fit Barcelona's. And yes. when I think of like La Liga fullbacks, I think of just <laughs> really, really offensive talented uh, with, you know, crossing. Like, I mean, think of like Marcelo and Danny Alves, Jordi Alba. Yeah. Um, even like, Arbaloa and Carvajal, like Jesus all those Navas. kind of fullbacks. Jesus Literally Navas. was a right mid for Manchester City for years. And then was yes. just like, yeah, I'll go be a right back at Sevilla. Literally. I feel like he is the exact mold of what a La Liga fullback should be. I love that move. Yeah, I love it as well. Uh, next thing, though, Fiorentina have lowered their asking price for Sofyan Amrabat to 21 million pounds. So, Maybe Manchester United could still make that move if they don't want to get Gravenberch. Yeah, or Liverpool maybe could be in, yeah. the, in the talks as well now. Definitely. They should be. They they definitely should be. Uh, Manchester City are exploring the possibility of signing Mateus Nunes from Wolves and are also considering uh, Eberechi Eze, or Eze from Crystal Palace. Very... It, it's very different for Manchester City. I feel like they rarely ever look at prim options to add to their team. Is that, do you think that's fair? I, I don't know. I like like a lot of their recent, from... a lot of their recent signings, you know, outside of like Holland and like some of the big ones, like you know, when they make these moves that are maybe guys that won't see the lineup that often, they do typically stay in the prim. Guys like Grealish, who now is in the lineup all the time, Phillips, like those kind of moves, they they kind of make sense. Yeah, yeah, I, I guess you're right. But nonetheless, um, I think both of these would be fine pickups. Yeah, especially Mateus Nunes. He he, honestly, in my opinion, could replace uh, Yaconcello now. Yeah, with him leaving. So, but then again, yeah. like you have Vardyol to play left back. As yeah, and, <laughs> and then just, it's Kyle Walker's on the right. Yeah, I, I I don't know if I sent you it, but I saw this like five minute TikTok explaining why Vardial and Ake are both on the same team, even though they play a very similar role where it's like they play left center back or left back a lot. Fantastic video. Um, never even would have ever thought of it like the, the way that that guy did. So I don't even know what the guy's called. 
I don't even know if I could find that video again, but <laughs> fantastic video. Gave me a very good idea of Pep Guardiola's idea of a left back slash left center back. Awesome. But, no, you did not send that to me. <laughs> back to what we were saying. Um, the manager of All Etihad, Nuno Espirito Santo, has reportedly informed the All Etihad board that Karim Benzema does not fit his tactical oh, yeah. style. The this Portuguese manager also rejected Benzema's request for the captain's armband, and now Benzema is not comfortable working in the current environment at the club and possibly could leave. Joe Jackson, step aside. Kareem Benzema's coming okay. to Chelsea. I'm just kidding, but this is just, I mean, like, just a complete shit show. Like, it is. A part of me is like, haha, Benzema, like you sold out and now this is happening to you. But the other side of it is like, how does this even happen? Like, how did he ever get on the team in the first place? How did, like, what? This is such a fuck up. Yeah, it makes no sense. Uh, it almost seems like from this and the next thing that we'll talk about, that the All Etihad board and their manager, uh, Espirito Santo, weren't talking about these moves. They were just making moves. Yeah, that's um that's pretty egregious as well. But you know, the other side of it though is and I'm gonna I'm gonna come back to Benzema's defense after calling him a sellout, even though he is a sellout. This guy won the Ballon d'Or last year. I don't give a I don't give a flying fuck that he doesn't fit into your tactical style. It's Kareem Benzema yeah. playing in the Saudi League. <laughs> there will be goals. Exactly. Why are you complaining? Yeah, I don't understand. It's absolutely insane. If he does leave, I, I don't have any idea of where he would go. I don't think he's going to go back to Real Madrid. That wouldn't make sense to me. No. Um, the the issue here is that they'd have to most likely terminate his contract because nobody's going to pay a fee for a guy that just joined your team on a free transfer. Exactly. It's like. I'm glad that this made it on the prep sheet because it's just it's just so weird to me, man. Yeah. Like, how does that happen? Yeah. How I, does that happen? I don't know. But it, it, the crazy thing is he's not the first one because 24-year-old Portuguese winger Hota, who came from Celtic just one month ago to all it he had, is already set to leave. Yeah. Um, God, it's just a joke, man. <laughs> yeah. I don't get it. It's crazy. Um. Here's the Bernardo Silva news. He informed Manchester City that he will stay at the club and extend his contract. So he's staying, um, which is great. I, I think he needed to stay, personally. I would have loved to see him at Barcelona, but I, I think Manchester City needs him. Oh, yeah, that, that was a massive move. And, I mean, you can't help but think that maybe De Bruyne's injury had a lot to do with this. I think it did. And I'm, you know, Pep Guardiola, with, with everything that him and Bernardo Silva have been through, of course, it's not like he's been there with Pep his entire career or anything, but like, you know, Bernardo Silva was a very successful player at City, so I can totally see him getting convinced to stay longer, you know? Yeah. It doesn't, you know, it, it's a it's a move that makes a lot of sense to me. Yeah, and it also means that they don't have to start Alvarez at Cam, which he plays fine there. He really does play pretty well there, but like, you know, every day wise, I don't think he should be the option. So that allows either Foden or Silva to either play on the right or Cam between the two of them. 
I, you know, I'm hot take here. I, I would honestly bench Kovacic for Bernardo Silva. Yeah, Bernardo Silva's not, you know, he can play a holding center mid. He may not be struff and uh, struff. Nice. Strong and tough is the word that I was the words that I was trying to say. He may not be strong and tough like Kovacic or Rodri, but personally, I love the way that Julian Alvarez has played, and I hope he can stay the, uh, as the um, starter at Cam for City, which is why I think I lean more towards Bernardo Silva replacing Kovacic. All right, yeah, I'm. I don't really care what they do either way. I just like them to lose. <laughs> Yeah, me too. <laughs> uh, but next thing, West Ham are plotting a move for Anthony Martial, uh, although they do face some competition from Saudi Arabia. Uh-oh. <laughs> if oh, West man. Ham can get Anthony Martial, I will really like this team. But is Anthony Martial, I mean, he's he's, uh, he's depth. Good it's just attacking depth, and they need it. It's literally yeah. just Mikel Antonio right now. Yeah, that is fair. Uh, but the next move, Liverpool, uh, making a decision that I don't think they should have, but they may have had to. They ended their pursuit of uh, uh, Yao Polina uh, because they can't afford him. <laughs> wow. Yep, Fulham is asking for ninety million pounds, which I think is fair. He's a a, a young, uh, kind of a budding world class defensive midfielder. Yeah. So. 90 million makes sense. Yeah, that's fair. And I mean, even if you want to flip it on the other side, you can you can ask for 90 million if you have a team that wants him as desperate as Liverpool. But yeah. the problem with Liverpool is they're not desperate enough. <laughs> so I, I I don't even know, man. They they have just completely fucked themselves. <laughs> they have. Uh but let's talk this next one because Real Madrid may not wait until next summer for Mbappe. The club may offer, well, they likely will make an offer of 120 million euros in the very last hours of the transfer window when PSG will be at their most vulnerable um, to try and sign them. And that's just that Florentino Perez tactics, man. He knows this game way too well. Him and Carlo Ancelotti are smart. But then again, like I say this, but I also saw reports that Carlo Ancelotti said that the transfer window is over for them. Yeah, yeah. I I think I sent that to you earlier today. Yeah. Um, You know, that could just be more mind games. Um, It definitely is. But, you know, we don't really cover La Liga, so I haven't really been paying attention to how Real Madrid's been lining up. But against the Almera, which was their last La Liga game, Rodrigo and Vinicius kind of ran like a two-striker setup together. Jude Bellingham was the cam. Then you had Valverde, Schwamini, and Tony Cruz as three center mids. And then a back four of Fran Garcia, David Alaba, Antonio Rudiger, and uh, Daniel Carvajal. I don't know. Um, that sounds very like Rod- good. Yeah. Uh, I feel like Rodrigo and Vinicius would play a lot better on the wing as far as um, as opposed to them being a two-striker system. And honestly, with this whole Mbappe um, just transfer saga, really, that's been going on, I feel like no one has talked about the possibility of Real Madrid just saying, you know what, fuck it, and going for, like, Ossiman. Because there are plenty of strikers all across the world that they could probably get before the transfer window's up now instead yeah. of taking a risk on a Kylian Mbappe who nobody knows what the fuck's going on with him. <laughs> and, and it's kind of like... I feel like I'm coming from a place of I am tired of watching how long Real Madrid is waiting to get this guy. 
And of course, like I get it, you have Benzema, so you can wait. But now, maybe not wait on him. Maybe just get yeah. someone else that's good. So. I I was kind of quietly hoping that they'd go after Gonzalo Ramos. That would have been fun. Yeah, I think he would have been a great signing. Yeah, but he got swooped up just like everybody else does. Um, <laughs> but let's talk about some guys that might be leaving PSG. Looks like. Um, PSG and West Ham met the other day to discuss the possible transfer of Hugo Ekatike. Um Once again, West Ham just in these conversations on these great young players. Good for them. Yeah, Good for them. But you have to, you have to kind of think though: is this all because they thought they were going to be able to sell Paqueta? Probably. And now they can't. I mean, it, it could be kind of a bummer for them, but who knows? Maybe they still are in discussion. We'll see. And then uh, the other one, Marco Verratti, is close to leaving PSG, possibly to join Al Ali. Yep. Bye. <laughs> yeah, he's gone. Dude, we don't even have anything to say when it comes to Saudi Arabia anymore. It's no. just like, uh, okay. <laughs> I think I've condemned them enough. Yeah. Uh, but let's get into some news from off the field. Uh. I'm super excited for this. Thierry Henry has been appointed the new head coach of France's under-21s on a two-year contract. And the idea here is that Thierry Henry will take charge of France's senior team at the 2024 Paris Olympics. Um, and Mbappe will play for them at that tournament. Oh, Mbappe and Henry. <laughs> That's yeah. going to be fun. That's going to be very interesting. And a fun fact, well, not a fun fact, just a fun thing that's going on with this. Guy Clichy will be one of Thierry Henry's assistants for the under-21s team. Dude, he is one of those players that, you know, like the, the soccer memes where it's like only the streets remember? Yeah. Clichy definitely is one of those players. I, I love Guy Clichy. He was so consistent in Manchester City for a while, and then I yeah. just don't even know what happened. I think he just, like, got old and was like, yeah, I'm just going to, like, I think he... Made a move to France, just like a smaller club. Yeah, that sounds about right. Uh, but the next thing, uh, she is just getting all the attention, man. The Dutch, uh, Dutch, you know, international team, whatever. Uh, they've put England's women's manager Serena Weigman on the short list for a potential new men's Netherlands head coach. Wow. So she got some attention from the English FA and. Now the Dutch. That's that's pretty impressive. Yeah. The, obviously, they're very happy with how she has managed the, the women's English team, which I believe... Did they win or lose the final against uh, Spain? Oh, God. Uh, they lost. Okay. Oh, that's yeah, because uh, the Spanish uh, president, like, like kissed one of the Spanish uh, girls and it's like oh. causing news right now. Cause she did not appreciate that or like touched her breast or something. Oh, that's not yeah, good. Pretty bad. Pretty bad. That is very much not good. Uh, yeah. Oh, I knew that Spain won because Barcelona posted something on Instagram of like, they have like seven players in the starting lineup. <laughs> Just was, like in 2010. Yeah, with the it, man. That was exactly <laughs> what it was. It was literally like two pictures. It was like one from this women's world cup team and one from that men's world cup team. <laughs> it was just like yeah. all the Barcelona players on it. It's <laughs> crazy. Awesome. Uh, but our final piece of news, this isn't really transfer news, just soccer news in general. Ben Foster, the cycling goalkeeper has announced his retirement from professional football after his 12 appearances for Wrexham. 
Yeah, I, I heard that he retired because, like, he he said personally that he hasn't been that great. And, you know, he's getting yeah. up there in age, so he just kind of quit, sort of. Well, I quit makes it sound bad. Ben Foster's a legend who needs to be, you know, he, he's just so cool. So, retired, but he, yeah, retired midseason. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. Um. All right. Well, let's get into stake your claim. I didn't write one. I could not think of one for the life of me. So I'm going to oh. let you go, and I'll just see if I get some inspiration here. Mine's super short, um, but okay. mine's very relevant. So today, we, something that we actually didn't talk about, Isaiah Simmons got traded for like a seventh-round draft pick, and everybody is freaking out. Listen, motherfuckers. All you little bitch-ass middle linebacker or even the Isaiah Simmons safety card in Madden, he is only good in Madden. He has not been that effective in the NFL. Correct. That is my claim, is that Isaiah Simmons is one – I mean, like, has to be one of the most overrated players in the NFL right now. Yeah, like, he he has the potential, because I think in um, college he, at Clemson – Oh, he, he was, was fantastic. One of those players. Yeah, he played, like, everywhere, kind of like a Jabril Peppers from Michigan. He was, like, an everywhere player. But with the Cardinals, he just really hasn't been that all that great, but people love this guy. <laughs> so – that's that's my claim is that Isaiah Simmons is really not that good of a football player. Yeah, he has uh, potential. I think if anybody's actually like, I think the problem is, is that like he's not getting overrated. I think people just aren't watching him play. Yeah, or playing with him too much on Madden. Or yeah, that broken. could definitely be the case. Um, <laughs> I've been trying to think of the staker claim. Uh, I'm just gonna look ahead to to week one of the NFL season, and I'm gonna say. The Kansas City loses the season opener on that Thursday night football game. Oh, that would be that would be kind of hilarious. I think Detroit wins it narrowly. Very close game. But I think Detroit wins it fourth quarter, late touchdown. Amon Ross and Brown. Since our claims were so short, I, I'm going let's let's review a claim together. This was okay. a really hot claim um that I saw uh, when did I see it? I think it was yesterday or today. Jameer Gibbs as offensive rookie of the year. It could happen. It, it genuinely could. Over the receivers? Maybe. Like Addison, um, Jackson Smith. Like, I, I don't think it will. It, it, even at running back, he's got competition with Bijan. But yeah. I, I don't I don't know. He he could definitely be a very good running back. Okay. Yeah, that, that was one thing that I saw, and I was just kind of like, huh, I... Should probably bring that up on the podcast. Like, I definitely think um, he's in a good running back um, environment in Detroit. I, I think that recently with Jamal Williams and DeAndre Swift, that they've been they were pretty great over there together. So, who knows what he could do? Yeah, yeah, we'll just have to see. Uh, but I think that's going to do it for us this week. Um, a fantastic episode, great conversations. Yeah, that, that was fun. That uh, was fun. But. Um, if you want to continue to enjoy these great conversations, you should probably be following the podcast on all the podcast platforms and follow us on all of our social media because primarily Instagram, which I'm trying to get better. I'm trying to get better about posting on the other socials when we, when we drop an episode, but Instagram is just so convenient. <laughs> it's the easiest <laughs> yeah. one. And like, it's very easy to like everybody to share it. So right now we'll stick to the Instagram announcements, but nonetheless, follow us everywhere. And Join the subreddit. Me and Colin talked about it on Wednesday's episode, but we're doing these MLB questions that we find on Reddit. We'd like to find the questions on our subreddit. 
And so all you guys need to do is type in, you go to Reddit, go to r slash second to nd and a n d short s h o r t. Join the subreddit and just start asking questions. If anything pops in your mind about sports, ask the question because we'd be glad to talk about it on the podcast. And um, other than that, go to the YouTube, subscribe, like, comment if you're there right now. I appreciate you for watching it on YouTube. You're, you're built different. Um, yeah, <laughs> yeah. I, I think that's going to be it, Luke. Um, we'll see you guys next week. Peace. Come on, you blues.